Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Gravel. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And we made it, lads, after a heavy, heavy weekend. JP's birthday week was uh, celebrated in good form. We've just been chatting in the pre-show about some of the, uh, the ins and outs of, uh, of our evening. But it was uh, a good time as that by all. We're all, uh, are we all recovered now? We all good? Only really just up to this point, but it feels like at the kind of depths of when the tiredness and the hangover had kind of really got to me, mm. just at that like kind of pit right at the bottom, I had to kind of watch SummerSlam, which, <laughs> which really felt like a very hangover in a show. I, I know re-watching it for this fucking show, the completest that I am and the fucking masochist that I am deciding to do that, <laughs> to, to get over the hangover. But I, no, I'd... We'll talk about it later on. We do the review much later on, by the way. Give the fuckers the respect they deserve. Um, but yeah, I had an amazing, I had a, had a great weekend. Mm. Really, really good. I know Gareth wasn't in. It was his birthday the, yeah. the week before. I think he had a, he, you had a much more sedate time of it, Gareth. Is that right? Yeah, more, more sedate than yours. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, uh, it was, it was one of them where we just like been away. I was obviously we missing last week, been a, like went away, just had like a few days down in London and stuff, but we had the kids with us. So oh, yeah, man. it definitely was more uh, sedate. There was that moment on day one where me and Sarah were like sat there in Shoreditch, both just having one beer with the kids, just like fucking causing a massive fuss next to us. And we just kind of had that, you know, telepathic eye contact of, oh, why the fuck have we got these in us now? We're just sat in some good place here with like loads of good beer. We could just be on a proper session here, but no, we've got to go, and, you know. I've got to go and walk around London with a nine-year-old on my shoulders for the next fucking 45 minutes because she's too lazy to walk more than three three minutes in a row or something like that. But yeah, def- very different experience to your birthday, uh, JP. But good oh. time was had by all anyway. And I was uh, the, uh, the the weekend that we've just had made up for it. That was oh, the real, that was that was the double birthday. Is there anything you can tell us about yeah. your birthday, JP? Is there anything you can tell us on it? <laughs> well, if some of it was in my family, which was okay. like a very kind of stuff. Like... Um, yeah, the other part was that, like, you know, good session in Leeds. Mm. And, but like, up to that point, I was like very much the good son. Went to see my mum's the first time since the pandemic. Mm. Basically, when you go around to your mum's that age, you get, get, just get treated like a fucking king and have stuff brought to you, like, kind of like <laughs> just brought over to you, endless amounts of food. I also gave her my Netflix subscription um, password, which blew her fucking mind. So I had to explain to her what Netflix is. <laughs> and, like, I had to. And, and because I don't know if this is a big story or people, well, not enough people know, but the big TV aerial in like North Yorkshire's gone down. So there's like a million people or so who can't get TV. Obviously, my mum's like in her mid fucking 70s. So she's just like, you know, trying to explain what, what this stuff is and how it works. Like, uh, it just gave her that. She found Downton Abbey. Very, very happy. It breaks up what was the um, ongoing watching of Waking the Dead, another show that I've never seen in my life and I never planned to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, did that. Um, that's as much detail as I'll probably go into. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a, a live experience for the rest of it. But yeah, very, very good. And then Saturday just felt like a, a gigantic session from beginning to end. Yeah. It was. It felt like a celebration, to be honest. It was so good to just be out in the it wild was. and just like see everyone, like we just said in the pre-show. There, got to we bumped into a fair amount of listeners, you know, at the Rogue Pro Show. Thanks for everyone who uh, who came over and said hello. Uh, it was great to great to meet a, a lot of people oh. and just in general, just see 
people, you know. I know I've seen you, JP, obviously recently at uh, yeah. at Joe's wedding, and you know I've seen Gareth separately as well. But like there was a point, like if you Chris Lennay's like Instagram story, that that point, that first thing in the morning on in Weatherspoons when it just he did like a little circle around the table, and it was just like it was good to see the Ogden, you know, the Ogdens there, you know, Ben Brit Resway days there, like Gadge. Yeah, Alan Cheap shot the man himself. Um, <laughs> oh, glorious head of, head of hair in these days he's rocking as well. He's looking more like David James these days, you know, uh, down to seeing, you know, the likes of Will and Ian Hamilton and people like that and plenty more in our chat, Sean and the lads. It was just, it was a social occasion more than anything. This felt like, this weekend felt like a like a wrestling celebration, but also a, a big mm-hmm. JP's birthday celebration, I'd say. Well, it was like, yeah, it was like a, a JP and Gareth double session. On the, mm. on the Saturday that we very much fucking lived up to. Mm. Um, and like, there's a podcast out there of us on, we're all obviously on graps and claps. I'll say it now. Like I'm very sketchy on the comment other than the chat room helpfully informed. That I went on a rant about dark fruits and that seems like solid territory to fucking lose my shit over. <laughs> I don't, if I'm upsetting you over that, I think you need to look at yourself rather than worry about what I'm saying. So um, that's the bigger problem. But yeah, there was there was that there was endless pubs. I mm. couldn't tell you how many pubs. I feel like we kind of went to at various points. Ogden's yeah. are the ones for that. Just follow the Ogden's. Oh. That's all you need to do. But oh, you've just reminded me. Remember we were in that we were in that pub in my, like uh, the one the Gasworks, is it? And there was that bloke behind the bar. He was telling us he was a progress. Oh. What was his name? Oh, yeah. What was his name? It was like right. Paul Danucci is what he said his name is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he was no, like, no. he's like Dominic's grandson. So we heard us talking about wrestling. So he was like, "Oh lads, oh, oh you like, oh, what you think of?" Uh, and we're gonna get to the CM Punk stuff. Don't worry. He's like, "Oh, what you think of all that?" And he was trying to chat to us, and then like he dropped it in. Oh yeah, used to be a wrestler. And I was like, "Oh, where'd you work, mate?" It was a Future Shock or GPW or something. He's like, "Oh no, Progress." And I swear he mentioned ICW as well and a few other promotions. And then we yeah. went and sat down. And bear in mind what I just said about the like the group of people we were with. You know, us, fucking Cheap Shot, the Ogdens, Ben, Gadge, Glatto Dan was there. Like. This is like I'm not not picking us up, but if none of us knew who he was, because I literally said to him, Do you recognize that man who sat and everyone was like, Nope, never heard of him in a million years. I I feel like he was having us on. Like he, he, he when he found out we knew a bit more about Brit Res than he realised, I think he was starting to retreat a bit, JP. Unless you found him on yeah. single since. Has he got his cage match? I don't think I've seen him. He, no, he hasn't got his cage match. Uh, it, it didn't ex- it didn't exist. It was just like immediately the bullshit detector went on hmm. when he was like I was a wrestler and I looked at him and I was like, you're shorter than me. You don't look like you've got much weight on. The only thing we've got in common is that we both seem to have Hawaiian shirts on. That seems yeah, to be the only similarity. You look it, was about, it, was about five, it was about five foot three and seven stone, so he could have been like us. Mm. No, very <laughs> well, he wouldn't be the only uh, Brett Ref wrestler I bumped into this weekend, but yes, <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll say it now, yeah, that was, that was funny going into that Rev Pro show with like, after all my talk, <laughs> fucking on the door, taking tickets, big guns job. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> like, couldn't make it up. Took my ticket as well. You, I, I knew you were enjoying that, Gareth. I was laughing my head off. <laughs> as, as we were walking up and I just saw him, I was just like, this is per-. Like, we literally couldn't have, like, booked this. No, it's brilliant. Oh, like, I could have booked mate. it. Because you could book him wherever you book him everywhere. So. Look, he's a hard-working <laughs> lad. Good on him, you know. But, like, fucking hell. Like, just hilarious. Like, uh, there's him taking the uh, tickets. The kid, the two kid like us is probably where working behind the bar selling the uh, the £5.50 Budweiser and Red Stripe. Like, uh, I think they've, uh, they're every show, so you'll, you'll find them doing some kind of job. 
how many bar staff do they have there, by the way? Like, mm. too many, I'll say, for that fucking show. Mm. And had nothing to sell as well. Mm. It was ridiculous. There's almost as many much bar staff as fucking cans of red stripe they had. Sorry, I'll go to the beer rant later. About <laughs> this <laughs> needs to be fucking remedied. I'm remembering the dark fruit stuff now and why I'm angry about it in the first place. But yeah, mm. when you go to all these great bars around like, you know, around Manchester and there's loads of stuff to kind of like, you know, do and see. And then you go into this venue and they're basically miles just slashing a fucking plastic mm. glass and give you that at this point and go, there you go, £5.50. <laughs> like, it's, it's shocking. It was but, very rev, it was very rev pro though, wasn't it, to have a shite beer selection or a shite bar selection. Well, I reckon it was packed with good stuff and Andy Q went, no, 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 don't get them, uh, don't get them getting too excited. So let's get all this away. They'll be, they'll be wanting better stuff at your call if, they, uh, if they're going to uh, get a bit of a treat here at Victoria Warehouse. So uh, let's scale it back, lads. In, in his defence, the cockpit always had a kind of nice beer selection. And because it's a theatre, like, you know, just treating you like an adult you can get like it's kind of like a decent cider and stuff like that and kind of not draft ale but decent kind of bottled stuff mm. yeah but the rest of the venues are fucking horrific including obviously york hall which also embraces the dark through dark fruits methodology mm. it's better than your hall because at least you get to the fucking bar you know i'm not going to complain about the, yeah. the amount of bar stuff it is like a a boss fit like Victoria Warehouse. Like if that becomes Rev Pro's home in the north, I'll be happy. Like there's like eight thousand toilets as well because there's usually like warehouse projects and stuff like that running there, which I've been through in the past in my in my younger days. Uh, so it is still weird going to there for like for a wrestling show. But you know, but yes, the, yeah, yeah, that's same, the same place as DJ Shadow was playing. You were telling me, <laughs> yeah, Caribou as well. Like yes, there's uh, <laughs> and you also get to see Big Gun's show. So you know, it's uh, <laughs> swings around. Yeah, D- DJ Shadow didn't have that. He might sue you though. <laughs> If he felt like it, like he could do over it, the prick. That's what he does. That's what he does. Introducing is amazing, but there's a lot of stuff post that where it is bollocks. Mm, very true. Sorry. <laughs> Unexplained DJ Shadow rent out of nowhere. Like I love his stuff, but mm. there you go. <laughs> what kind but of I was going to say, yeah. Oh, sorry. On. No, go JP. I was going to say it was like um, like when you talk about like the way you'd queue up at York or like queuing up for a fucking CM Punk t-shirt fucking United Centre like, it's ridiculous <laughs> That's like lovely. just thinking of it like that we'll be well versed if we have to deal with that situation here we're used yeah. to fucking long queues wherever he is <laughs> I was going to say before we get into like the uh, the weekend stuff and uh, obviously the, uh, the the CM Punk topic and AW and all like I've got to ask JP you did tease us on the weekend show you know you mentioned you, you wanted to give us a bit a bit of a lowdown on this uh, this M- Enfield Town news by the way like you know I'm sure we've all seen it the Enfield Town shirt with the uh, the NXT UK sponsor photoshopped on the front um, <laughs> is that going in the collection Gareth you gonna you gonna buy that one is it coming no. <laughs> Unless there's a grapple over, gets in there as well. Well, yeah, maybe that, maybe that. He loves it. <laughs> Is it coming into your collection, JP? No, still not bought it. Uh, absolutely not, and it's mm. it's it's shocking. And you mentioned about this story, so it's it's basically like a mini, it's a mini AFC Wimbledon MK Dons style deal. Where mm. so on where their ground was and I stress the first time I went there is when like Enfield FC was just like they were in the conference for a little while and then Barnet slightly got slightly better and then they they got relegated and their chairman sold the ground and basically moved the club to Boreham Wood which I stress is nowhere near fucking Enfield 
Hmm. So playing like like kind of well away from the club for a bit. He sort of, so he ruined it and sold it to buy, build a cinema hmm. and everything else. And Enfield Town FC is like the first fan-owned club in the country. It was like the first one to kind of do this kind of model. So when I think of this deal, it kind of feels like, and this might be an exaggeration, but like if you can imagine like, I don't know, Clapton Town, which has like a kind of a good message about like, you know, um, being very anti-fascist, you know, the, the, the they've got all the stuff about like the, the, the rebels in, um, in Spain in terms of tucked into their shirt. Well, imagine they were sponsored by a fucking diamond mining company based in the Congo or something like that. That's what this is kind of like, <coughs> you know, AFC Wimbledon sponsored by Deliveroo or Sports Direct even. It's, it, it's really bad news. They were starting to kind of get themselves together. It's a little hotbed of football around there. <coughs> it's a club that I have a lot of time for, mm. but they're not really going anywhere. Worse than Haringey Borough, which also play on White Hart Lane. Little, little known fact there for everyone, but the Wood Green end. But these motherfuckers coming in and ruining, like, not only have they shit on the place where I fucking live around there, like, and made it and just made it worse just through their presence. They're fucking pissing on the football club. They're not doing anything decent. Not sorting out the shitty one-way system and then build and the lack of cultural activities, are they? No. It's just like now nah, we're gonna gonna slightly ruin this. It's just like what else yeah. is there ne- next from my fucking childhood that want to go down? Want to burn down my old primary school while they're at it? Like I mean, it just feels <laughs> like again, it's just like. Like, WWE and Enfield should never be in the same sentence. Like, never. Should never be there as well. Um, and and them getting ingrained on this scene, yeah, I don't like it. It's almost like if they had other sponsors that represented sort of like better aspects of wrestling, it feels like that would be definitely the way to go. So, like, you know, maybe get Tony Khan to sponsor the stadium or something just as a massive fuck you. <laughs> What do you reckon? Oh, as a joke. The AEW Rampage Arena. <laughs> Buy out the warehouse. That's it's what I told you to do with his millions. Now it's it's fucking oh. like it's a match to me. Like, it's a match made in heaven. To be honest, you know, Enfield Town. What did they draw? Four hundred people. Are they getting out the, yep. the let me less. less is it? Three to four hundred. <laughs> fucking yeah. That that's like. I mean, the NXT UK attendances probably aren't going to be better than that going forward. You know. Ashton Smith did uh, did go on record to talking about WWE UK as the uh, the Premier League of uh, of British wrestling all those years ago. Um, I think we found what its real level is, uh, Gareth. The Southern Premier, or whatever that league is. What <laughs> yes. is it called? It the, is something Premier if, League, yeah. The, if, the Ithmian, which I'm sure used to be the Ryman back in the day. PW Insider so made that mistake, didn't they? Like, that their new story was Premier League team sponsored by NXT UK. <laughs> it was like, eh, no. wrong Premier League, lads. That's like all those. I don't know if you ever see this, but in, occasionally rugby stories get translated, and they 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 replace the word hooker with prostitute. Mm. So quite often you'll talk about like players in rugby and rugby league, and they'll inexplicably go Melbourne Storm prostitute. <laughs> um, I don't know Cameron Smith. Or whatever. <laughs> they describe him as that. Not Brad Fittler, mate. Well, you've told me that's. I mean, this is niche talk, but Gareth told me a, a, a cracking Brad Frittler story and a Kevin Campbell chant that should never be repeated ever again in history of mankind. Yes, neither of those will be repeated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely shocked. 
Oh, yeah, Liam's just saying in the chat, yeah, that Enfield Town. I mean, it's going in the show images, everyone. I always put it in the weekend show images, but whoever that Enfield Town player was, who was like stood there, look, he's like three foot taller to be fair than like the uh, the NXT UK uh, yeah. lads and girls, including Miko Setamora, but he did look like he'd been like a forced to be there at gunpoint or something like that. He didn't look particularly happy. Do you know what's worse is next to that ground, the Queen Elizabeth Stadium. If I remember rightly, there's a harvester nearby. Mm. So the food's not getting any better, is it? Mm. That's getting better. Because you imagine after, I'll go for a bite to eat, we'll go there. Mm. Like, fucking hell. She'd be better off going to the kebab shop on the other side of the road. <laughs> Again, that was the road on the way to my old school. So, yeah. Um, oh, it's devastating, mate. Well, I'm glad you can put it into context for us, JP. Uh, it makes makes a bit more sense to me now what's going on down there. And yeah, it doesn't shock me uh NXT UK and WWE getting into bed with the likes of them. God helps if, if Meltzer recovered it. He'd use it to go into an aside about George Best and the San Jose earthquakes or something. <laughs> 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 Maybe Angel Town will be the same. No, mate, they're not. They're never going to be like that. He's a sort of man. Well, now we've, yes. we've talked enough about warehouses very quickly because we did get uh, through uh, popular demand last week. We didn't guarantee we're an airmate, so we didn't uh, we didn't do the uh, the fantasy football uh, chatter last week. But uh, we should uh, catch people up on, on the grapple league and uh, and how we're all getting on. It's going well, Gareth. Everything, everything, everything. I am fucking fuming. I can't believe it. I thought I was home. And- I thought having having lost last week by one point to Chris Lane based mm. on a Mendy bonus point for City, yeah, she who who lost, and I watched that game, and somehow I don't know on what planet he ended up with a bonus point, but mm. hey oh, they they lose the game, and their fullback uh, gets that bonus point that costs me the win. Now this week I was thirty points clear of Jamesy going into tonight, and he's got fucking four nulls. He's got Antonio. He's got Ben Rama between them. <laughs> West Ham have just cleaned up about forty points between them tonight, Brilliant. and I've lost that fucker as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well so, sw- swings and roundabouts, JP. I'll be able to. I might get first dibs on Martin Odegaard. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Great stuff with them. I mean, that was a lo- lovely part of the coach journey. Um, to watch us inevitably lose. Can I say as well? I mean, these two statements can be true. I thought. We deserve to lose. Chelsea are clearly much better and we're a fucking state. But also the referee was a fucking shit. That was a penalty. Considering the soft stuff they give it for, having to endure Jamie Carragher's fucking Brentford cheerleading last week. I'm in like what I call a Mugabe media lockdown where I'm reading heavily biased Arsenal stuff and nothing else. Like, mute loads of words and the rest of it. On the upside, Willian might be off to Corinthians. And I'll tell you what, I'll take the cunt to the fucking airport myself <laughs> fucking dog shot I, Odegaard would be good I don't know really who else you'd, you'd go for at the, uh, at the minute Lekonga Sambi Lekonga he looks like a decent player it's PSP with Granite Xhaka there you go there's JP's yeah. tip but no like the, the, the main league itself yeah. I'm doing I'll pretty well get Arsenal players in but that's a tip you told me as soon as I started playing this game both Maybe. of you just went you don't buy Arsenal players that's no. a golden rule I see why Week one, mate, Aubameyang and Lacazette just not turning up. Like, that tells you all you need to know about uh, the look uh, that comes with time. Yeah, COVID, in fairness, they were, they were actually, both of them had COVID. 
<laughs> Sounds like Arsenal, mate. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like I this week in the in the draft league, we were saying in the pre-show, you know, beating a beating a Gareth's uh, young son Alex uh, quite happily by uh, by thirty odd points. Not that I'm not that I'm bragging or anything. Um, did notice by the way, Gareth, you, you mentioned this. You've uh, you know you were draft league uh, last year that I uh, that I spoiled you in in the last week. Uh, no, I didn't get an invite to it this year. What's that about, mate? Where's the invite? You got relegated, didn't you? <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> Just didn't do me to you until it was going to ruin your day, yeah. <laughs> That's probably yeah. fair. <laughs> I'll didn't pay more attention to this one. Didn't do a thing for about 10 weeks and then you just like suddenly did it one week to shit on my bonfire. <laughs> Lost the league on goal difference thanks to you. Yeah. Amazing. That'll be my legacy. That'll be my legacy in my league. Now we're paying attention to this one. I always go to Xandy's mentioned in the chat there. He got a he got Lukaku, like because I lost in the in week one, but I didn't lose by enough to uh, mm-hmm. to get first dibs on him. I was hoping Andy was gonna forget. Uh, but no, I'm relatively happy with my team overall. I can say that the main league itself, uh, quite happy with. I'm sitting seventh at the minute. I mentioned Matthew McMillan is uh, is top uh, of the proper league. Neil Flanagan of uh, up next fame just behind him. Rob Reed, as always, in the mix at the top. Craig Armand, uh, of uh, who uh, met at the weekend at uh, a Rev Pro, is uh, is sitting there in fourth. But you know, uh, in the mix there, a couple of. Uh, a couple, couple of good big names there. Can't see you guys though. That's that's a bit odd. Like, don't see you in the top uh, twenty or so. Yeah, I've had a good week. Piss off, mate. I'm ten points behind you. Twenty-seven. <laughs> it's, fucking, it's the start of the national, right? You're not going right if you're leading after the second fence. Well, I've got this fucking pissed, haven't I? I don't even have to worry about the rest of it. No, marathon, not a sprint. I'm all. I'm perfectly content with where I am. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'll say. Marathon, not a sprint. Um, and the draft team is inexplicably doing well, and I've got, I've got fucking Kieran Tierney and Nicholas Pepe in there at the minute, but um, Trent, Trent, Trent Alexander, and, and Hugo Lloris actually, to be frank with you, has been also like kind of very good as well. So, yeah, not complaining about that. But there's a few people doing the old triple captain bench boosts already, aren't they? They're going, it's have you noticed that schoolboy? <laughs> yeah. Same Last possible second, make wild cards, bench boosts, triple captains. If there's any advice I'd give you, not now, lads. Not now. You're going to be slapping your faces when those double weeks come around. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Oh, yeah, when COVID comes back in and we get three games in a week again, our time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, indeed but yeah t- Tomiscus as uh, Joe said in the chat there's been a gem 4 million yeah. um, I mean he's probably going to stop playing well Robinson's already in the squads is he he's probably going to uh, take his place but you know good uh, good, good pick good tip he's done his he's done his job well mm. while he's while he's needed there mm. get two clean sheets and an assist out of a 4 miller can't say fair than that can you yeah <laughs> There you go. But yeah, keep uh, keep an eye on that. And obviously, we'll uh, we'll keep everyone updated. Hopefully, we'll do another uh, patron podcast with the uh, the FPL stuff at at, at some point. But uh, I'm gonna say, JP, before we get into the big news, there's yes. uh, plenty uh, going on on uh, on Grapple Patreon this week. Yes, on the Patreon this week, we have uh, obviously we've had a lot of the daily updates, big weekend preview as well. It's going to be fascinating. How fucking wrong I was on the viewing figures. Don't know why for that one. Um, upcoming, we are going to be doing a. Summer of Punk. Um, Summer of Punk from Ring of Honor, though. What Ben I think is the real Summer of Punk. Yes, lads. Um, so we're going to be doing we're going to be doing that this week. Just need to sort out the time uh, for for when that's going to be com- coming into place. But yeah, really looking forward to that one. That'll be good. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure if you lads have heard CM Punk's come back to wrestling. 
Who? <laughs> Who's that? He was a big indie star, RWA Miss South. Oh, no. He did, had a great indie run. Indie wrestlers, no. No one needs indie wrestlers anymore, mate. Get some bodybuilders and football players. That's what, that's what you want in your mix. Skinny fat lad with tattoos. Nah, never yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not a ratings draw in any way, shape or form. Mm, definitely not. But no, uh, Sean's saying in the chat there, Summer Upon Gad, it was uh, Sean's uh, idea as yes. we uh, drunkenly sat in the pub on Saturday night to do that one for Patreon. So that's uh, that's next up. Uh, it's got to be done um, in this celebrity time. But yeah, all that other stuff JP mentioned is uh, is going on on the Patreon. We'll have some uh, some good other stuff uh, coming up too. But no, let's talk the uh, let's talk the himself and let's uh we wasted enough time let's talk the big story uh it's happened lads we're here uh summer of punk 2021 maybe that's what we've got uh yeah i that was the thing on you know we talked about saturday earlier it's all anyone could talk about um saturday morning was was this stuff but what honest to god friday night put it up there one of the greatest nights i've had watching wrestling being able to sit there and it actually happened in real life cm punk return back to wrestling like yeah it was i'm not i'm not ashamed to admit it i wasn't quite in the uh, the floods of tears that that lad who's uh been doing the rounds on uh on twitter was in but i was certainly up there we had plenty of conversation jp on the weekend show about you know how are they gonna do it is it gonna be the opening segment is it gonna be the closing segment is it should it should it be taken over the entire show all of those conversations and you know we all knew it was coming but i think the way they ended up doing it was was pretty much perfect and it was I don't know. To take me through it, lads, your, your feelings as it happened. I mean, it was. It just. I, I stayed up live to watch it, you know, three in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the the moment when, you know, the, the show started and they had zoomed in on the fans chatting CM Punk. Like, I was already <laughs> ready, ready to well up or, 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 or tear up and jump up and down on my couch. Cult of personality hits and it's like, okay, now it's really real. Um, and then the man himself came out. I mean, it was un- it was unbelievable. I know where uh, Gareth, uh, did you, you watched it the morning after, didn't you? Uh, unspoiled uh, on Saturday morning, but fuck me. What a moment for people like me and you, mate. Oh, it was absolutely fucking fantastic. This is, this is why you, you think about all the shit that we watch, all of the stuff we go through, the stuff that just goes wrong and the stuff that's just a waste of time in wrestling and things like that. And the reason that you stick with it is just that feeling that you get at a time like this when it's like a great match or it's like a great comeback or something like something like that like what like what a moment I, I was just just unbridled joy i think when i came around to yours to pick you up to drive you to manchester ben i was kind Thank of you. like nervously sort of saying to you like like that lad who was like crying in the crowd i was like I kind of had a tear in my eye myself, and then you were like, "Oh, me too, mate." And I was like, "Oh, thank God, I'm not an absolute twat." And then when I saw JP in Manchester, sort of nervously said the same to him, and he was like, "Nope, exactly the same." Mm-hmm. Like, totally agree. It was just like, it was just one of those where you just mm-hmm. your emotional investment in something just like paying off, and you know, paying mm-hmm. off big time as well. I think it was one of one of those where I'd like said, I'd said to both of you, I'd worried about the him doing the Fox thing and stuff like that, whether that might take the shine off things or worried about like the fact that they'd teased it and we kind of knew it was happening and things like that, whether that might take the shine, uh, take the shine off it and things like that. But 
God, that moment that he came out, like, it was just goosebumps on goosebumps on goosebumps. Like, it was just, like, hearing that crowd, like, literal shivers down the spine stuff. Absolutely amazing. And, God, what I wouldn't have given to have been in that building. Like, fucking amazing. Absolutely amazing. Very, very similar. I I didn't watch it live. So I watched this, um, like, first thing in the morning. And when I saw it, and again, completely unspoiled as well, it it was I was welling up, completely welling up from the get go, and that's what really what great wrestling should do. And I think Tony Khan made a really good comment about saying about wrestling being art. Well, art can make you cry. Like you know, great films, great television, great art, great music can all make you cry and get that emotion. This is the form that we all enjoy, and something like this, and this is where you're going to be th- like, I can imagine some like prick of a wrestler going oh these fucking marks losing their shit over it. it's like but this is a genuinely feels like a game-changing momentum moving big event that also is incredibly rewarding to people who have had to sit through the last 20 fucking years of absolutely uninspired shit for the vast majority of it and you saw them be able to do the simplest fucking thing in the world which is all it needed to be. Yeah. Punk comes out, just cult of personality, the place pops. The moment I kind of started to, well, it was actually slightly beforehand, is when he saw the kid with the sign that said, if Punk's here, we riot. Or if Punk <laughs> is here, we, we riot. And he just came over and big, gave him a hug. And I was like, that's not, doesn't sound like the CM Punk that quite often is spoken about as being like this massive kind of prick. And then he does a dive into a group of fucking people as well. Again, like that kind of completely got me on board because the, the levels of emotion and love that are there mm. is, it was like absolutely fucking majestic. Yeah. And, and then like, you know, it will go into the stuff. I, I even little things like the way that it was introduced by AEW mm. going to the commentators first. I loved the whole, see a, like we've got a big announcement in the next 90 seconds and so also Chris Jericho isn't here <laughs> which is my favourite part of that <laughs> mass this is when Ross is worth his weight in gold oh, gets go. big moments like that hmm. and all of them well Mark Henry didn't really kind of say much as well but you know you're thinking for someone like Excalibur who you know, fucking three years ago the only commentary he's doing are PWG matches mm. now all of a sudden it's like this massive event and he gets to deliver the line that CM Punk is in all elite wrestling and it felt very much like early Nitro mm. but um, in terms of and I'm not saying like like just the general feel of like this feels new different and exciting um, whereby and it's something that's like it felt like proper presentation yeah. as well there's so much other bigger things we can go into that it kind of taps into about what wrestling fans actually want and yeah i'll shut up now for a bit go on Ben. oh no i want to go through every <laughs> i'm going through every moment with every father fine tooth comb here and i'm sure gareth wants to too like there's so there is there's so much to dissect of, of, of why it works so well and yeah. a lot of the reason it worked so well was it was the fact that they'd let the moment breathe and that they they kept it to the most simple thing. I mean, again, I'm, I'm going to hide into nothing here. Two weeks in a row mentioning Jim Cornette, but like even Jim Cornette calling it a perfect segment, you know, and better than what he would have done. Like, you know, I don't think you can you can pick any holes in this. Like, from the top, as you say, the, the, the commentators kind of staying out of the way. The way they, you know, they show the crowd at the start and then, like I say, the music hits and it was like, 
that pop just kept getting louder. Like it was like it was loud when the music hit. Then it was loud when you saw the word CM Punk on the screen. Then it was even louder when you saw the man himself. And then it kind of quieted down for a few seconds. I felt like the the speakers blew out or something like that. And you got like the nice little moment with you know Punk on his knees, genuinely. You know you can see it on his eyes, uh, emotional. You know for for the moment. And there's there's not many people better that. Uh, you know, wearing their heart and their sleeve, and you know, making it part of who they are, um, and making it a positive than than punkers in big moments like that. Down to as you said there, JP, as he kind of wanders down, and it gets even louder when he starts gearing the crowd up. I fucking love that moment when he like you know, punk isn't the most sociable guy, but like just hugging yeah. the fans in the front row and doing that mosh pit dive into the crowd. It was just. Uh, even before we get to like the promo itself, Gareth, it was just pitch perfect every second of it, wasn't it? It was just I like it. I've never, I've never heard a crowd like that. Uh, you think the pop is as loud as it's gonna get, and it just keeps getting louder. It just built and built and built, didn't it? And I think that was it. And and, and I think where you talk about like Punk and his his personality, or you know, you know, stories of what he's been like and things like that. But you could just see that. I mean, you could see the genuine joy and emotion on him as well like it, it, it couldn't hide it you know and yeah. it was in his eyes you know it was like you know you could tell that he was like how much he was just like loving living for that moment and just again like like JP says that just the outer character stuff a little bit some of the crowd interactions and things like that you know I think it, it just really again showed a guy who what seven years ago, eight years ago, was like so down on the wrestling business, so negative to you know towards it. It absolutely ground him down to the state of not wanting to do it anymore, just not enjoying something that he'd loved so much in the past. And then, but you could just see that clearly this environment, this you know, this fan base, you know, mm. were, everything about it was just mm. a huge, just like positive for him. And you could just see that kind of like enthusiasm pouring, you know, out of him. And you could just see that kind of like excitement that he had, like, like I say, in his face and in, in, in his eyes. And, and again, that like, you know, that, that just bodes so well because you just think like a CM Punk in this mindset, like excited, positive, motivated, you know, etc. You know that it's only going to produce good stuff. And, it, and, and when it's Punk, it's not it, it, like people will talk about like the matches and you know match quality and you know maybe not been as good as people you know claim him to be or the fact that he's older now and things like that. It doesn't matter. This guy is like like a superstar. Like you saw just mm. the 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 presence that he had, the aura that he had. You know, you yeah. you look at people and you people people claim that certain wrestlers are superstars these days in the world. That was a superstar. That was a genuine yeah. superstar, and you, you, you know, you just think of, you know, the the impact that he's that he's, he's going to be have. It's it's so exciting, and and this is just another one of those moments with 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 AEW that has left us jaded wrestling fans genuinely excited for what's going to happen in the future, and you're actually looking forward to watching a wrestling TV show next Wednesday, next Friday, looking forward to a pay per view and things like that, like. It's amazing. That's all we want. Mm. That's all. All you want is to be excited about this thing that we're incredibly passionate about, and this just encapsulated it all for me. Mm. Definitely, you know, down to like, yeah. you know, circling the ring, you know, hugging fucking Frank the Clown <laughs> and his and his family members and stuff. Like, <laughs> you, like I, I felt like they just because I, I honestly think like, and we, we, 
I think Punk has come to learn this. AEW uh, is is CM Punk as a wrestling promotion. Like everything that was promised by the 2011, you know, Summer of Punk and everything that, that CM Punk meant, like AEW is a lot of those things realized. And it felt like in that moment, like Punk kind of realized that himself as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just unbelievable. Like I say that I want to you know, shout out to the, you know, we mentioned there about the commentary staying out of the way. Like I fucking, I've watched. I don't. Know, we'll have to. We'll have to do it like an estimate of how many times we've all watched this segment. I'm probably on at least fifteen at this point. But like that moment when he's like, he just looks at the ring, and the crowd go crazy, and like, and then like I thought like as he got in the ring and went onto the top rope and it got even louder. I honestly thought that like I thought Excalibur was like that line where he, he said something like you know you've waited you know seven years for this yeah. you only have to wait 90 seconds more to hear from what a fuck that line will go down in history yes. like oh what a call yeah. what a call for the moment like unreal that's what i'm saying at the moment like that kind of stuff makes it doesn't mm. it like those are the little things that make it we haven't even gone into the promo as well mm. itself when there's, oh, there's yeah. so that's much coming, that as well but it's but the whole thing kind of taps into the idea of we have been conditioned that we can't have the kind of response to these things that we really want or even deserve. Mm. That that you have a company and we're going to talk about it much later on in the show, who actively will do things to piss off their audience, regardless. But it's kind of ingrained in them. Mm. Here, it was an exercise in simplicity, in the simplicity of pro wrestling promotion, in like. You give you hint at people. You don't fuck them over. You just don't fuck them over. You give them what they want, and do you know what you get for it. You get an amazing amount of goodwill and a fucking shit hot television rating as well. So like, there's there's again, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the actual promo stuff because I, I I think that the I just want to say that the I heard you stuff. Yeah, was that was the other bit that kind of got me during it. Though. Yeah, the the promo itself, like once he got in there, like you know, he says himself about like not knowing what he was going to say and, you know, not, not until he, he got there and stuff. And, like, fuck, you could fool me because, like, I was saying to you, Gareth, in the, on the drive to Rev Pro on Saturday, like, we talk about people as great promos in wrestling. Like, you forget what a next-level talker CM Punk is. Like, he can just get in there. He, he could get in there and just fucking read you a menu or read you, fucking read anything out or talk about anything and there is something just... Like so, just as a as a as a as a human being, like there is something so engaging and charismatic and great about him. And yeah, we can get into the, the promo itself because there's so many great moments like w- within this promo. But it just it felt pitch perfect for me. And that yeah, there, there was just so much to love. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And it's just you know when you when you I don't know like like you say about him you know saying like not knowing what he was gonna gonna say but then it it, it just been something that you know clearly clearly had things that he, he knew he wanted to say kind of, you know kind of thing in in, in there but just like again this is i don't know it just sounds ridiculous but just the, the cadence the the timing the pacing of everything that he everything that he said like like you said, it's just a genuine pro, genuine next level talker. And again, that just kind of like when I was talking before about this is a superstar kind of thing. It's mm. just like, it's just natural. It's just that, you know, and you, again, you sometimes wonder, oh, will they still have it and things like that, you know, been out of this environment and stuff. And it was just like, you know, it was just water off a duck's back to him. It was just Hansi and Punk a microphone, go out, talk. And you're just like, it's, you know, without mm. saying a lot, without saying, 
saying a lot without saying a lot kind of thing yes. as, as well and leaving you know leaving a lot un, lot unsaid to come kind of thing you just like uh, a, a, again it was just like next level stuff for me mm. and again, again I'm, it's like one of these like i don't i don't <laughs> i almost don't want to sound too fanboy about it all but like you just like f- like fuck every, everything about it. it was just had me on a high like from like you say Benno about dissecting every like every brushstroke from this whole thing but mm. everything about it just hit the mark I, I, I can't I can't see how anybody could watch this and not think that it was like you know absolutely outstanding for mm. every moment of the delivery of it and yeah mm. for like oh, for, for, for me just so excited so excited so I'm watching it again right now <laughs> 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 what were your favorite lines just like- watching <laughs> you keep yeah, we put it on loop. Don't even bother this podcast. Everyone turn us off and go go listen to him again. Um, <laughs> no, I was gonna say, what are your favorite lines from it? Like, what what did like for me? Like, I think the way like he covered so much ground with so little. Yeah. Like even just you know the the little barber WWE, you know, where he's talking about you know not wanting to go back to the place that that made him sick in the first place. That said yeah. so much, you know, with so little. The fact that he took the moment yeah. to kind of say, you know. I hear, I hear you. Like that was a big thing, like you said before, JP. The fact that he, yeah. you know, he's like, you know, I hear, you know, CM Punk those chants. Like I've heard them for for the last seven years. I, you know, where he said, you know, I understand. You know, I understand. You know, if people were were disappointed um, in, in in some of my decision, you can read into that whether he's talking about, you know, uh, walking away from WWE or even going back and doing backstage and and some of the other decisions he's made and some of the other things he he said publicly. But you know, again, that was great and full circle to to get into you know what he talked about with you know that that being then and and, and now being now and he just yeah that they were kind of like things that stuck out for me but it was just yeah it was that it was the fact that he could in one line kind of just address all of the things that we all wanted them to address yeah, yeah oh, it, I, it, sorry <laughs> no i was just gonna say i mean it is it's the thing that so, and the reason why the I hear you bit is important is it's just the fact, again, to go back, that particularly over the last 20 years, the audience has been progressively more and more ignored. Mm. And particularly, you kind of feel that Punk should have been... Even Daniel Bryan got the WrestleMania main event stuff, mm. even though it was like kicking and absolutely screaming to be dragged through in order to get that. Punk never kind of got that. Yet, his was the name that was chanted for years afterwards to the point where there's a, there was a kind of like kind of almost like a mythology about the whole thing about him never coming back as well and, and kind of what would his place in wrestling history be and i think when you you hear like the the idea that he doesn't name check wwe a brilliantly canny like making the difference talking about professional wrestling making sure to name check ring of honor as well and about how important that run is to him as well so benno i'm imagining for you that's just like the cherry on top really for it as well so you get to talk about summer of punk like and throwing that in there as well and but carefully just sort of goes through and then there wasn't a horrible place i mean it felt very much like the moxley interview obviously and i'm looking forward to the point where inevitably he's going to be on talk is jericho at some stage isn't he talking about himself probably not but i wish i can wish (laughs) i was thinking what a great first opponent all out that would fucking be (laughs) hey 
issues in the back of, you know, outstanding issues mm. to, to, to roll off. No, I'd watch that, like you mentioned Ring of Honor there, I'd literally the night of watched his entrance from uh, Punk the Final Chapter from ROH that he talked about, you know, coming out with like tears in his eyes and yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that swerve as well when he's like, I once left a place, you know, after he sits down and, you know, sits in the in the in the, the famous CM Punk stance and, you know, I had to leave and I didn't want to. But he's oh. talking about Ring of Honor in two thousand five and he, you know, Gareth he's talking about like having you know, that's the day he left professional wrestling and this is the day he's back like the way he weaved those things together was just perfect oh no i mean i i, I was just thinking of you mate when he was talking about that when he was saying about like you know leaving a place i love you know like it was home and you know mm-hmm. talking about his him crying and i was just thinking obviously you were so heavily invested at that time in you know mm-hmm. roh and punk at that time and just oh, yeah I, I was just thinking oh ben i was just gonna be <laughs> ben was gonna be bawling over the, <laughs> ben was gonna be bawling over this bit of, like i like i was thinking there but i mean it was just like the bit that was it was like before he went into that and it's like can I tell you a story and you're just mm. like yes you yeah. can tell me a story come on like like you just After like expose the t-shirts what? of course make sure make sure you get that and get the merch on screen oh, yeah. Yeah. it's like what what's what's he gonna say kind of thing and just mm. that anticipation and that just like literally having you in the palm of in, in the palm of his hand and then just yeah then the story that he does tell and then just mm. equating it back to being professional wrestling and then his you know where you talk you know i mentioned previously there about that that change in his eyes and that enthusiasm and like fire in his eyes and things and it was very much that kind of i don't know you could like draw that back to the words that were coming out of his mouth there as he talked about roh and he talked about like the um you know the the young talent around at that time who were hungry and you know you know wanting to work together and seeing that same like seeing that same fit in the in the roster in in, in aw as well and you know just almost just like cutting out that middle part of his career that you know you know obviously made him as be the superstar level person that that he is but also broke him and you know his words there you know almost you know where Mm. he was talking you know he was talking you know very much about it you know the more spiritually physically mentally you know the 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 harm that was done to him and and, and bouncing back, but then just equating AEW and, and the opportunities there to like the the happier times and you know just even that I just love it just the professional wrestling like I just love hearing that I just love he you know seeing yeah. Sam Punk and seeing him use the words professional wrestling because that's what we that's what we love <laughs> we love love professional wrestling and and again that same that same enthusiasm and, and positively just. Uh, just 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 carrying through there as as well and and again as we've like repeatedly you know as we go on our aw positive trains you know like ad nauseum talked about in the past that whole young talent the talent that they are building the talent that they are using correctly the way that they're making them interact with more established stars and helping them like on their journey to develop this aw six or seven people who you know we see as being the, the core part of their roster you just see that Punk's got that enthusiasm as well, and you think like, God, what impacts he going to have on these guys' careers? In the same way that we've talked about the likes of Jericho and things like that, having it as well, like, like so, so, so good. And then, yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, I, I don't want to keep rambling. I'll, uh, I'll hand over, hand, hand over, hand over a bit. But like, I think then where we talk about that, 
then the Darby Allen stuff comes in as well. And well, it might not necessarily have been my first pick in a fantasy booking point of view for like a punk mm. de- punk debut. Actually, in the moment, seeing that happen, I was just like rubbing my hands together, like this is this is great, this is perfect, <laughs> like this is this this is going to be absolutely spot on. So, again, more excitement and positivity from me. <laughs> and that's and you talk about like the genius of his promo. If you think of the things that he's managed to do in this, he mentioned the very first line he says is actually in some ways it's giving the rub to Britt Baker. Yeah, because if people don't know yeah, who Britt Baker yeah. is. He's the first person she talks about there. And you go, oh, okay, that's like brilliant in and of itself. He goes into talking in about himself. And the, and the thing is, is it's the whole credit, but you mentioned about the cadence and the delivery. It's all feels so authentic. Even if it's bullshit, it is delivered in the most authentic way possible, which is just fantastic. So the way he does that. And then he goes into pro wrestling promoter mode, mm. fucking seamlessly. And the audience is completely fine with it. And in some ways that's better because you couldn't have a segment like this going on for too long without you get the major beats of the whole thing of, of what he's trying to say about the fact that and really, which is he's kind of given them two years to see if this is a flash in the pan or are they doing things the right way and actually could really do something and really make an impact. And it's like, he's given them that time and gone, yeah, right. This is the time to do it. You know, I went into fantasy fucking booking mode like it was n- nobody's business with yeah. with this. And I'm sure there's some of the things that we'll talk about with, with that as well. But the fact now that the way that promo was delivered to uh, in terms of Darby Allen and having Sting there, can I just say as well, Sting I know Sting doesn't do a lot. Amazing. My God, like, it, it's just having Sting around the place. I am loving this fucking Sting run. I never yeah. thought I would. Him at ringside, fine with him and Orange Cassidy, piss myself. The matches he has, the match they had with 2.0 when he gets no cells being powerbombed for a table. I'm just going, God, you have no right to be as much fun as what you are. All he did was stand there. And I'm sure Punk is there thinking, I'm fucking doing a promo in the United Center to Sting as well. <laughs> it's like, it, the, the whole, like, that bit is kind of like pro wrestling perfection as well. We haven't even gotten to things like the ice cream bars or the fucking run on the t-shirts and the rest of it. You know, there's just as an overall kind of piece of work, this is one of the great promos. And like, this is one of the great entrances. And and I know that they talk about that. I want to see stuff that's comparable to it. Now, obviously like, you know, you can show a Budokan crowd going absolutely batshit from kind of like, um, 94. I think it's even more impressive in like this era when kayfabe is well and truly broken that you're able to tangibly get the kind of emotional level of investment that we're getting now. You're doing this at more jaded times where wrestling fans could be as jaded as they ever kind of have been and that everyone's bought into it. The only people who don't are fucking trolls. And even the trolls seem to be loving it. They don't mention corn out there. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you can't fault it because, yeah, you know, it was, it was indulgent for the first part. There was part of me, and indulgent in a good way, but there was part of me thinking, oh, fuck, there are supposed to be three matches on this show. How long can we, are we, can we keep going? Like, the, there's just a part of me that's like, oh, both you don't run over type of thing. I hope they, I hope they get everything in they want to do. But they did because, they, you know, it was seamless that that flip switch was flipped from. You know, me as a as a punk punk getting to hear all the things I kind of wanted to hear him say. I wanted to I wanted to feel like his, you know, 
love for wrestling or not even that like that he knows this is where he belongs was the case mm. you know he's not here he's not here to collect a payday you know he's not he's not here as like goldberg coming back he's not here as well because it's a you know it's that kind of option for him he's here because you know despite what he might have said it you know in in, in the last seven years and is you know i will take my victory lap his uh, attitude towards wrestling you know clearly has changed and you know i'll always point to that that tweet where he mentions darby and he mentions dobbs i think he calls him and, uh, and a couple of other the uh, other people that he wants to, to face in AEW. he did mention on the uh, the conference call afterwards that that was one of the reasons they've ended up with with darby that was the match. um so there we go it was clearly a, a switch had you know uh, switched in in, mm. in in his mind at some point it flipped and you know he was clearly you know he's back on board and he wants he, he knows he's a wrestling person he knows this is where he is he's one of us you know as he said multiple times yeah. in his promo i was glad i got all those things out of it but you're right i, I was glad that you know he, he turned it on its head and started building that derby match and i'm with gareth it's not a I don't love it to be honest. Like, there's part of me that's like, oh, I kind of want to see Punk go back and forth promo wise with a with an MJF or a Moxley or whatever. I've come round on it though. You know, this segment was so good. How can you not? You know, it, those moments are coming, as Punk said. Not everyone needs to get mm-hmm. done in this in this first segment or this first feud. There's Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays to come. Um, so you will we'll get that stuff, and instead we're kind of getting it's basically a babyface babyface match of you know two guys who have got similarities, you know, as far as their presentation and such. And Punk's talked up Derby as you know who he'd probably like if he was a kid today watching watching AEW. You know, he got all of those moments in and just you know put over the did that thing in, in the promo where you put the guy over, but also you know put yourself over as a as a threat and mm. it's dangerous. And the idea of you know Derby facing CM Punk in Chicago go being a big deal all of that stuff you know as well as being an indulgent moment and it was indulgent not just for punk it was for all of us it also did the job of building that match too so yeah just absolutely perfect oh well well that line like where you know he sort of referenced like oh i've seen you falling out of airplanes and you know, um, you know you know you know, you know body bags and all that and he's saying like there's nothing that you can do that is more dangerous than wrestling cm punk except wrestling cm punk in chicago and just like <laughs> what a line what a fucking line and like t- totally like just se- you know sell you on that match that crowd that event and things like that like oh it's like mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely first class stuff and like i i genuinely kind of felt like whereas i think they say about like punk's eye is giving him away i think darby allen's eyes gave him away as well like as you like saw him up there and like punk was you know firing some of this out you could see the fanboy in him you could see you know his face never breaks kind of thing but you could see in his face that it, it was almost like there almost was a bit of kind of like excitement or like fucking hell like what's you know i can't believe it like there was all those that i almost thought like like, does he even know some of this stuff or things like that? Mm-hmm. I don't know, stuff that's been said or happening or things like that. Like, it just seemed a bit like, you know, it, it, it seemed like fresh, the excitement on, it, on on his face as well. And again, that was something that I really got a kick out of was was seeing that, that, that reaction from Darby Allen as well, because mm-hmm. you just know that that lad with this, you know, this opportunity with him, he's going to go out there and he's just going to work his fucking ass off his knees, going to fly about all over the place. He's going to take just some fucking ridiculous bumps. He's going to make Punk look as, you know, good as he can make him look. And Punk's going to, you know, give him the positive, you know, make Derby look as good as he possibly can within the 
realm of of what Punk's able to deliver in that in in the front of that crowd as well. So yeah, it's at, like like that side of things is just going to be such like a a positive connection and and positively as well. Where you know I, I think I, I said to you the other day, Benno, one of the things I was immediately looking for is what kind of shapes Punk in, how big is he, and things like mm. that. And then think you know you know Derby is of a physical size and stature that he's somebody that he's going to be able to work with more comfortably and more easily you know physically he's just lighter and smaller and things like that so almost like as a entry point to returning to wrestling is an easier person to, to to work with there's there's you know there's less chance of little botches and things like that yeah, and pre- yeah. you know presumably that might come with come with it as well so 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 again that was that was something that for, that for me once you kind of like I don't know, added it all up and looked at the idea of this match. I was thinking, didn't feel right at first, but actually now, you know, weighing everything up on reflection, can't wait for it. Seems like a perfect entry point on, you know, five or six different levels. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, the fact he can take a GTS. Um, like that, that's really like the big thing he can do, the bumping for him. This has to go on last. Oh, yeah. Like this, this, and, and they will do, mm. even though... Again, we're conditioned to think, yeah, but they might not do. They might just do the really dumb thing. And you go, no, they're not going to do things like tease a match between them. And then- last. Like, it's not happening, lads. Oh, no. No. <laughs> but also, they won't have Punk go out there, just deliver a GTS and beat him in 15 seconds. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nah. Like, yeah. You know, there's there, there, there are those kind of things. And I think, you know, the chat's getting very excited about, like, kind of, Punk versus Pentagon, Punk versus Kingston being mentioned Promos, there. mate. Oh. This is, he's in the promo company mm. and he's in the, like, a fucking top tier promo. Mm. And he is going to have a level of creative freedom. Plus, I think the main, probably, I imagine one of the big frustrations you have in working in WWE, if you're kind of like him, is you probably like logic. And AEW likes logic and remembering records and remembering relationships and stuff like that. And there's so much that you can play on. And when you start to really go down the big fantasy booking path, and this is all, by the way, before Brian Danielson comes in and debuts next month uh, in front of an even bigger fucking crowd, mm. which will probably be even built up more and is massive in its own very, in a kind of different way, because it's not obviously someone returning after that amount of time. You're looking at this going like, we're talking at the point where there is some mega fucking talent on these shows. They're really, this is how stacked this roster is, is truly insane. Mm-hmm. And we're talking, the one big thing that we've all kind of clamoured for is a big name to go to AEW because you think of all the possible matchups and all the various things. I'm thinking of like 10 people off the top of my head he could easily work with in, in AEW and you could have a really decent feud in there. King before you get to Moxley, obviously Omega. Mm. You know, we we're talking about Punk and Brian versus the fucking Young Bucks in a tag match and stuff oh, like that. Imagine that. that. It is, and here's a crazy one. Never had a, like a properly built mega Brian Danielson CM Punk match. Well, we do now. Like, I, I, there are like, and you're talking about stuff that is exciting. And it's like, there's a reason why old farts like me bang on about shit from the kind of even attitude era and nitro, because it was fucking exciting. Mm. Wrestling was not exciting when it was just the SmackDown six. Mm. Yeah. Just as a, as, a, as a point, good stuff. And that's possibly the highlight post the closing down of, of, um, 
of WCW and ECW. We have waited so long to be rewarded by a company for kind of an emotional investment. And you can see one company does its absolute utmost, the level of loathing they have for their fan base. Whereas another company says, "Why don't here's a novel idea. Why don't we give them what they want? They want CM Punk for the first 20 minutes of it. And they get massively rewarded with a rating, with zero promotion and everything else, which makes me then kind of think of what is that fucking dynamite rating going to be mm. now that people know about it and we're going to get round two. Yeah, that's how well, you know, you mentioned the rating there, you know, you mentioned the excitement and the reward for being invested in something. <laughs> You know, rampage this week. You know, it's, I mean, I expect the the dynamite rating will be even bigger. But like, you know, I think I don't think you could have expected better. You know, for for rampage that what one point one two nine million viewers. Um, it did on on Friday at ten o'clock. That shows the level yeah. of investment that, that that's in this. That is a that is a monster number for 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 where it is. Don't don't let anybody tell you different. And that dynamite rating probably going to be even bigger. And that's it. And you, and you look at the like week on week, you know, increase there. And you know, the, if if you've got similar levels of percentage increase, you know, comes to dynamite this week, like fucking hell, then we are like in in the realms of you know those numbers starting to challenge and get into the get into that Raw and SmackDown territory yeah. that we're talking about. You know, and a few weeks ago we talked about you know the uh, pumps impacts. For on UFC pay-per-view buys and things like that. And then, like, you look at this, you know, putting several hundred thousand um, people on this. Like, again, we, we're, we're going to get that... Re- from that Rampage 1 to Rampage 2, we got that genuine understanding of the punk uplifter there. Now that this time's, this is our time to breathe, it's filtered out, it's been all over social media, people know mm-hmm. it's happened. Them, them, you know, fans who've maybe not been watching AEW or have been watching it, you know, on and off or, or, or things like that. They left enough on the table here. Like we talk about, like you know, I said he, he said a lot without saying a lot. They left a lot on the table. He didn't spunk his load on night one, kind yeah. of thing. You know, he, just, he, he the, there's the in reality, you go back and when you watch it again and again, he only touched upon a small number of things. There's plenty of excitement there of like, okay, well, what's going to come next, and you know, where does this go from here? What more can he, you know, what more is he going to say? And th- things. There's enough excitement and intrigue there that, you know, come come dynamite this week. You know, I'm fully expecting to, you know, have a significant percentage uplift on that on that rating compared to what it's been doing in the past few weeks. And then, did I read rightly that the rampage? rating was the second highest AEW rating full stop ever like is yeah. that I believe that's right and the, the the demo rating the 0.53 which is what it is which is again a fucking monster like pretty much is it's high i think it's higher than every dynamite episode except the first one i believe that's the case yeah it is uh, since october 2019 and that's for the friday night 10 o'clock show like wednesday give him a mic again like you say gareth tell the rest of the story like you know do a face-to-face with darby and whatever you want to do like good lord is that going to do a number later this we got the surprise on friday and you know they talked about that in the uh, in the conference call like uh, i was like a a giddy schoolgirl a girl in the corner of my living room as uh, steph was on that conference call asked him about whether cult of personality was always the choice of song but she also asked and the answer was yes and and she asked him about whether um you know it was hard to keep it a secret and they were like you know it was never a fucking secret really was it um but you know they still gave us that surprise moment that will now 
you know, and a bargain with TNT as well. Yeah, we all get that moment. We know anything like that can happen on a on a, on a show, and we can all get those rewarding moments. But also, like what happened with Sting, we get the follow up Dynamite now that I think it might even beat that demo number. Like I, I'm genuinely like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm expecting a crazy number on Wednesday. Yeah, you're getting to the point. This is where it gets really interesting because the other thing to mention in the background for all is as these ratings happen. And again, we might have to temper it about how much will this mean in a few months. But the confidence I have in AEW being able to continue storylines, I think this is going to get massive. Mm. Um, can I say as well, as a really interesting storyline note, someone we're not speaking about because they're not going to be at all out. I think this can add dimensions to the Adam Page character as well, coming back and all of a sudden he's been taken over by like the kind of new fancy signings and the whole thing works entirely with his character and his storyline arc. Just to sort of throw that in there in another yeah. fantasy booking segment. But from a from a business perspective on, on this, I mean, TNT, if they were jumping through hoops last week for 740,000, which they would have been, this, they'll be going batshit. I'm not saying they're going to talk about renewing the TV deal and stuff like that, but they must hit, I think they've hit the fucking goal, uh, like pay dirt for this. And that young demo really shows what Roman Reigns means in this day and age. Mm. And we're approaching football season and who's going to be affected most by football. And you're talking about a product where it's actively making decisions that are going to turn away people from the fucking audience. Mm. And you've got another company that's like, come on over here. We do all the fun stuff and we don't have a fucking loon running the show. Mm. Like it, it's, it's honestly to God, it feels like if you ever, I know like you, Benno, you would have been thinking 2005, Punk's going to be a megastar. Punk's going to be a megastar. Hey, You've had it all kind of justified because he is a megastar because you don't pop these kind of fucking ratings and the numbers and bring it up like, like that, mm. like very easily. That's him bringing 400,000 people. It's like in UFC and, you know, people mock the UFC stuff. Yeah, they had half a million buys that UFC he was on mm. were like, you know, solidly beaten. But like this guy is a real ratings mover and he has more of a connection, I think, to an audience than I had really expected. And it probably says because I was in that wrestling bubble. But I think to a lot of the kind of casual fans, they looked at Punk as fucking cool and being different from everybody else in the most simple way. And then he went away for ages and now he's back. And he's still kind of he's still cool and everything else and can do all the CM Punk stuff. So I think the hope would be that he brings them back. And then I mean, just I, Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Matt. I'm, I mean, I'm just looking there at that demo breakdown of like the 18 to 49, and like that number that that, that it done is higher than the last of the last 17 raw de- um, 18 to 49 demos. It's like there's only two that's above it, you know. So 15, it's better than 15 of the last 17 for Raw. And that's that, that that's day one. And it's even, you know, even looking at it, at it again with like from a from a SmackDown perspective, it's like it's beaten over half of those, uh, of, of those in the last 12 weeks as well, which, you know, again, you, you look at that, you look how established those numbers are on, on you know, how, how long that's been established over such a period of time. And, and, and this, is just, this is just day one. Now, I know it's going to spike, but we've seen that AEW have actually got the ability to book and tell stories in such a way and things like that, that they, you know, they have been able to, you know, 
maintain that buzz and they've been able to maintain that audience. And you're telling me that, you know, more and more CM Punk with more and more to do with these guys who they're already starting to establish, putting Brian Danielson in the mix and things like that. You know, what a fucking shot in the arm is. You know, this is like, you look at this summer and like you say, like, oh, you know, you point to those other summers of punk. Okay, this might not be the same summer of punk from a either the you know the the run of matches or the, the or the from a storyline perspective that we've had with ROH and then with, with with WWE. But I think you look back on this summer as punk as summer of punk as like that was that was that was a massive you know needle moving moment that was this this was almost like the day that it got that shot in the arm and kicked kick things on where the world's eyes were opened up to AEW more than they were a month ago two months ago and 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 then you know potentially you might look at this from a history book perspective where you go back and you look at your your Hall and Nash moments and things like that as well, where you, you get these significant moments in history where you, the tide did begin to turn or you did see significant change. And, mm. you know, the night CM Punk turned up on Rampage, I'm certain it's something that we're going to be talking about in five years' time has been that huge, you know, that 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 huge impact moment. And and and, and not for a story perspective just his mere presence alone and what that brought in terms of mm-hmm. you know the the vibe and buzz and what it meant for the industry and every, you know everything everything like that it really does feel like game changing and certainly when you see those numbers you know behind it and the impact that it's had had there and and especially within that younger demographic you know hey tony Khan must be rubbing his hands together you know you thinking about the next tv deals that they can pull and things like that when you look at the disparity between the tv deals that raw and smackdown have got versus what aw are taking out of their 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 tv deals god there's fucking so much money on the table for them to be taken the next time next time that comes around and then you know what are they going to do with that you know, experience so far tells me that they're going to use it wisely, spend it positively, and um, you know, kick you know, kick on and and, and move forward. And, and I honestly think that's what they did when they got that slightly updated deal to move to TBS, and they're given those extra hours. And it was supposedly, I think, somewhere in the region of eight figures was the deal. Wouldn't surprise me if this went. We put this towards Punk and Brian. Mm. And do you know what, Gareth? It's it, ad rates. Like this kind of stuff. This is the hot Friday night program. Like the, all of the the kind of various metrics that they're really interested in. Like really fucking hot. Um, also PWTs as well. Christ, didn't they have to buy some report? They having to buy all the available kind of like is it ringer t-shirts? The kind of specific like mm. white t-shirts having to get so they can print all the all the shirt orders. I've ordered my man. Yeah. One of them. It's crazy. No, but it's, but this is what pro wrestling fandom is kind of meant to be. Mm. Like, this is, we're getting a level of kind of passion and enthusiasm from us. And we get quite often accused of being very negative about wrestling, got nothing nice to say about wrestling. We're being fucking nice about wrestling here because this is what it could be. Like this is when when wrestling is great, you get moments like this, and they create real genuine emotions. And I think I'm just surprised because there's just so few of them in wrestling anymore. Like those kind of moments that really kind of mean something, and we're seeing them, and we're going to hopefully be rewarded with this. And it, it, it will raises a couple of really interesting points. If you're if you're Warner Media and you're looking at this, you're thinking, do you do stuff like buy the pay per views and try and do any, put it on HBO Max? 
like they're going to be trying to think Christ like this is really going places and when you're selling the kind of number of tickets they're doing as well because all the tickets all went up and around Milwaukee as soon as Punk was announced Mm. fucking through the roof and if this catches steam oh yeah and P.S. here's Dan here's Brian Danielson You'll get used to the name soon enough, WWE fans. <laughs> Whereas what did WWE offer? They offer the same people coming back into basically the same scenarios that are very, very limited. Mm. Here, it's a wealth of opportunity. So I'm sure I said this point earlier on as well, but that's how fucking excited about the whole thing. <laughs> and, and, and for me, I'm just where you just talk about like the multiple TV shows there as well and just thinking of it from a business point of view as well. Like to me, this isn't like, this, this isn't, you know, I've seen a lot of, people like draw the association of, oh, it's WCW. And then when they had to have thunder and then they had to like pad out their roster and, you know, buy these people. And then you get the whole things of like, oh, WCW wouldn't know what to do with a Bret Hart and all like little, you know, you know, little statements like that yeah. and, and things like that. I'm like, no, these are people who in their approach to television, they know what they're fucking doing. They want that extra hour and they know how to use it. They see the value in it and they see the value in what is, what, what, what they, they can, they can gain from it. And it's, it's, it's not just a case of, Oh shit. Now we've got to fill thunder and let's just throw a load of wrestlers on this and just like make it this, 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 this B show, this, you know, scientific approach to, you know, te- you know, tele television and things looking at the data, looking at the metrics more, no understanding the value in what wrestling fans want from a wrestling product in, in in 2021 and then applying the talent accordingly and not just like throwing this you know when they get these big name stars not just throwing them out there and it just been like like big name against big name repeatedly using the big name to develop the younger talent and things like that again there's so much like good business sense coming from the the cans on this one yeah. but such good wrestling sense as well and how to 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 use people and having the right like brains in the room of uh, 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 of that side of things that to, to me again it's one of these things where again you, you constantly just sound uber positive but it almost just feels like it just goes hand in hand and i just can't i i, I can't see why after what they've achieved in the time so far that now with these with more you know with with bigger stars to play with and mm. with the way that they've established talent so far and with more tv time to to use and build I, I, it, it doesn't feel like this is something that they're gonna fuck up it feels more like a positive opportunity to them rather than it being something where mm. actually they're they're, they're they're gonna be overwhelmed by having you know too many wrestlers to to, to use and utilize and too many tv hours to fill and things like that they know what they're doing. They're like, um, they're gonna, and, and, and that gives me the the confidence to be positive about it. Yeah. They're going to be offered more hours, I think. I, I hope to God they don't change Rampage from a one-hour show. Leave that as it is. It's perfect. I still think an afternoon show on a TBS or a TNT with some younger wrestlers, just for name, but it'll also be the kind of thing that I've got enough of a fan base that that'll get a good rating in whatever time slot that's in. So they'll be happy. You'd be confident they'd be happy in that. They've got the reality shows in there. Mm. Just as a weird aside, do you think AJ Lee would come back? Oh, I totally think that's coming. Like, um, I'm convinced of that. Like, I, 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 that would mean a lot more than probably. It wouldn't mean as much to me, but I mm. get to other people that would all that would that would actually be the kind of thing that that's a really good move. 
I thought last week, to be honest, when uh, they had the Britt Baker segment, I honestly thought, well, I know, I know, it ended up uh, not being her, and it ended up being uh, being Jamie Hater. But I honestly thought maybe they do that. There's like one last tease of Punk is definitely coming because AJ Lee's here too. Ah, uh, yeah, I I could see her coming in the in the coming weeks, but no, it it is. It's all exciting, and it's like you know. You look at that that opening that that punk segment. I'm just you know I've just seen Brett Brandon's uh, tweeted out there. One point three four one uh, was the uh, was the segment itself. Like that, you know that's not even the ceiling. Like, good lord. Like, you know I think as well. Like to the to the wider point we were talking about there. Like, this is all coming as well at a point where you know when we talk about WWE, they are you know leaning again. They they're going back to their old habits. But do you think that's the right call or the wrong call for them? they are leaning into like their old habits of like not liking you know a, a punk or a brian or indie guys and wanting you know their kind of bodybuilders and football players and stuff at a time where aw is bringing in cm punk and daniel bryan and is getting goodwill with fans like us and like i say 1.3 million other fuckers watch that punk opening segment if you're an nxt fan who's, who's seeing these stories about nxt is about to see that nxt product completely change and you know there are still some left why wouldn't you be watching AEW if you're a wrestling fan in general and you see you see a segment like that Punk segment and you see Brian coming over and you see the rest of the exciting things that seem like they're going to be happening in the uh, the coming months with AEW? Why wouldn't you be watching AEW? It just you mentioned before, Gareth, that like this feels like a, an important moment. This feels like a chapter in the the death of WWE book. This feels like something mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about going forward. There's a massive, massive point as things change that and a swing happened. I think there's a ton of knock-on effects from this as well. Can I just mention about, if you look at this rating and you're Fox mm. and you figure how much you're paying for professional wrestling mm. compared to what, what what Warner are, how are you feeling about that? Mm. If you're Nick Khan as well and you're aware of all of these things that are going on and you're, and as someone, he'll, he'll be noting the trends. He's not as much in the bubble as the McMahons and Triple H. Mm. He'll be able to see that I have a, theory on Nick Khan and what his end game is anyway and it's part of trying to set it off and getting oh, a massive it. cut of that and yeah. that's 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 his job and I'm not saying it will speed up a sale and stuff like that because that's probably fucking just mental talk mm. but the tide is turning here lads mm. it really is mm. and I don't see Daniel Bryan depressing the rating anytime soon I think it just gets to the point where it even seems to the wrestlers that they want to fucking be there. Because mm. I don't get the impression. Like, why would you want to be in WWE? Mm. Like, my experience watching WWE for the most part, like, this weekend has been absolutely fucking horrible, really, in terms of the stuff I've actually seen from them as well. It feels like they've completely lost the plot. Mm. They've been able to be WCW in the year 2000 for a very, very long time. And now a lot of that stuff is coming. Those, you know, chickens are coming home to roost, aren't they? And you fucking love to see it. I love it more than anything else. Like, honestly, to God. And, and, and you know what, as well, is like when, when you look back to that time period when, like, WCW was starting to challenge and then WCW did take them over at that time period, like, the, WWE didn't know how to react initially. And, yeah. like, they, 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 had, they, they had no idea what to do and they did what they've done now to some extent is just, like, leaning on some old stars and things like that to try and plug the plug the gap and they were probably they were probably quite fortunate in a way that they had a, like 
the cool product in wrestling at that time was like ECW that they could go out and they could copy and they could like change their style significantly to, you know, follow what ECW were doing and was generating a lot of buzz. And then that, that obviously then created, you know, the attitude here and, you know, things been a more adult and, you know, obviously having a great talent roster and things like that, that we're able to work within, within that, that, that style, you know, um, like massively, you know, I've been Austin and Rock, obviously, um, there at, the, at, the, at that particular time. The thing now is, is the cool wrestling product is a is is AEW, and they they're not ECW. They're a big company with a lot of money behind them, with a lot of superstars behind them as well. And the WWE can't copy this because they can't copy, you know, good long term storytelling. They can't yeah. copy like you know character development character building you know having actual like logic behind things that happen giving people bread breadcrumbs that that reward you for paying attention developing these young stars through the system they're completely incapable of doing that they've proved that they're incapable Mm. of doing that for for 30 years as well so that so there isn't even a so their quick fix of let's go back to the old stars that's not working because the ratings are continuing to plummet. And um, then the the pivot for them to try and go to, okay, well, what is hot in the wrestling industry? Somebody out there is doing it better and they've got the talent and the resources to continue to do it better than as well. And WWE have got nobody in the room who's capable of turning the ship to you know match it on a on, on, on a similar similar level either. So again, it almost feels like you know, in the past, WWE's had a, a lot of situations where they look out and things like that in certain things. In this instance, it feels like there's a, not a lot to them to to cling to when it comes to you know pivoting and trying to then say, okay, what what is it that we do to turn the tide? And then, you know, as you say, there, Benno, that their focus then now is is move away from the indie lads. Let's move towards these like big, pure athletes and things like that. We know that's not what people want. The, 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 the wrestling industry doesn't want that anymore, and they're, they're entirely incapable of taking these lads yeah. and making them into stars in a short, never mind in a short period of time, in in seven, eight, nine years. You know, I talked a couple of weeks ago about a great big list of, you know, genuine, you know, good athletes that they'd had, ex-NFL players, ex-wrestlers, et mm. totally incapable of doing it. These are all lads who just like left the performance center after one year, two years. They've got no track record of, no. of being mm-hmm. able to produce these kind of kind of stars. And then the ones that they do, the minor in, minor occasions where they get like a Braun Strowman, who Braun looks like he's on the, the verge of getting over, getting over, they cut the legs out from under mm. them because it doesn't fit with what they want yeah. as an organization. And, and so mm. they, they, they've, They've eaten themselves alive a little bit, you know, in, t- in terms of their their approach to it. And I like OJP. You love to see it. You love to see it. Fucking great. <laughs> you do. Let them eat themselves. Yeah, and, and they're getting to the point now where developmental their developmental strategy is: let's hope to God we can replicate what we had in OVW with that one class. <laughs> Because, mate, they were all a group of big lads and we managed to get that one to work, didn't we? And we got Cena and Batista and Orton and bloody Lesnar out of that group. Isn't it all great? And it's like, well, that's not going to happen again. Because as you say, Gareth, it's changed. People's tastes have changed. Also as well, a lot of these people they sign just don't have the kind of level of charisma because they're not going to put them in a situation where that charisma can get out. But they're not going to put them in an organic character, are they? They're not going to do what they did with, say, Rocky Maivia and turn him heel and just kind of hope for the best. And then he turns out to be fucking amazing. That kind of situation can't take place because 
in that time as well, they've put a series of like kind of restrictions on how they build stars. And we talk about the things like giving hometown fans what they want and the rest of it. So you create a massive buzz and people want to go back, you know, delivering on stuff which feels genuinely fresh and exciting. A lot of it's just, it's going back to the well. They're incapable of change. I don't like, you know, normally the analogy would be like a slow moving tanker, but it's, a slow moving tanker being driven by people with blindfolds who have no idea turning left or right. They know one way of doing things. As we've said for ages, the emperor has no fucking clothes and no one in the room is going to say otherwise and go, actually there's another company that's doing this a hell of a lot better. I don't see it getting any better for them. There's no Cena to bump up those house shows. And I tell you what, Brock Lesnar's not working a fucking regular house show loop, is he? Mm. So what's going to happen for those? those are going to go down. The law of diminishing returns for this stuff will set in quicker because we saw it happen with WCW that when these things suddenly start to become really fucking uncool and there's another promotion that's delivering a hell of a lot, people go. And if you piss them off enough, which as we'll talk about, looks like they kind of have done to a degree and you could sense it from the live audience who seemed genuinely annoyed at points for, for swathes of SummerSlam, they're I think they're in a lot more fucking trouble. And I always, I will bang on about the Fox thing as well, that Fox at some point are going to start looking for an out. Yeah, it's coming. And, you know, those those Dick Khan is a, a genius takes, and you were early on it, Gareth. I think they're going to look very silly in 18 months. You see the, the bits of that interview coming out uh, with, with Ariel Halwani, and it just... Oh. You know, Great watch. I love when he was like, oh, well, you know, if, if Raw was, I, if I could have my way, Raw would be 50 hours. In fact, that would be 20 hours. Or like when they asked him, like, what is, what it like about the, you know, what's better, Raw? What's your favorite show? Down, like, they're both great. Yeah. It's like, like Steph said, it's like, oh, you could just say, you know, it's like if you asked him what his favorite WrestleMania was, he'd be like, Ugh. The best of WrestleMania, obviously. Like he's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, he is a money man, and that what it, what he is. So we shouldn't, you know, you should maybe expect that. But yeah, I, I don't know if that element being added to the already combustible element of a company being run on the whims of an out of touch eighty year old man uh, is gonna is gonna give the rewards that, that people mm-hmm. think it is. I, I do genuinely think that that you know it's just gonna accelerate that war on fans, and it's gonna it's gonna continue to give people to AEW. That's honestly how I think this uh, this thing plays out. Um, Can I just say, mate? I look forward to the points when they start taking trying to take pot shots at AEW on telly. <laughs> Because they're going to look like the biggest fucking dicks in the world. And somehow yet they'll believe that somehow and, they're the underdog in all AEW of this. You what? Keep babyfacing themselves because you're going to have Tony Khan could go on Twitter and talk about like, you know, the, like this week he's talking about like what's he said, professional wrestling's an art form or something like that. And he had a, a, yeah, good, you don't... He had a good comeback to uh, <laughs> to the other card. Yeah, so you don't create great artists by having them all paint the same. It's fucking, they're making it easy for them. They really are. Yeah. As somebody said to you, was it, if your enemy's making a mistake, you don't interrupt them. Mm. And that's effectively what AEW kind of look to be doing. You make some smart signings. Mm. Now, there's stuff about the TV show that I'm not mad about. Like, can I just say in all of this, there's some of the stories towards All Out and the rest of it, it feels like a a bit ramshackle. Mm. But ultimately, they're going in the fucking right direction. Like, like there's not any argument with that. And yeah, the Nick Khan interview was was it was fascinating because it felt like i like him it like ariel could have asked him harder questions but and they declared their relationship at the start of the fact that nick khan was his agent mm. and the rest of it but it was filled with like 
he didn't seem to care at all about the creative. And if he's had a massive oversight on that, then that's the real problem that he is. Because I think we're at a point where the differences, financial and everything else, are kind of, it doesn't necessarily matter because they're, they're, they're doing well enough, AEW, and they will be a lot more profitable in the future, even if they're spending money on the video game and things like that. And so you get down to the point where really the battle is a creative battle. And it's like what Gareth said, one WWE aren't going to change. And as a result of that, an AEW have got them fucking licked on that front in terms of getting the current zeitgeist about what people and what a modern audience want as well. So, yeah, if we can be talking about the death of WWE in a couple of years, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Won't happen. <laughs> and this Nick Khan character, yeah, he'll be a footnote in that stuff. They'll, yeah. they'll find some big cunt who's charismatic and jammy their way out of it, won't they? I say they always, they like, they normally, there's, there's always like a bit of luck. Something just lands yeah. in their lap. Some fucking six foot eight bloody talker's going to just fall <laughs> into the fucking performance centre and be like, you know, carry carry them from yeah, you know, about, yeah. 12 months yeah. later or something like that. It's the sort of shit that happens to them. They're like Boris Johnson in that regard. They just get fucking jammy with shit yeah. and get away with it, even though they're rubbish. And it pisses you off to fucking to the nth degree how like they get away with it. It's like when Alex Ferguson brought Federico McCage off the bench to cost us the title. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an analogy. I mean, obviously, we'll. I'm sure we'll bury WWE under the sun even more um, later on the show. But while we're, we're talking the AW yeah. side of things, I mean, any any more on Rampage as a whole as a show? I mean, I was maybe one of the few who didn't like the uh, the Rampage car going in. I'll be honest, I didn't like going from the Punk promo to Christian standing in front of Marco Stunt. Like that is not how I would introduce the 1.3 million people who, who tuned in for CM Punk to to, to what AEW has to offer. Mm. But the rest of it, you know, it was like I said to you on Friday, JP. It didn't. It probably wasn't going to huge any matter in the long term. Probably wasn't going to be the huge nah. conversation um, coming out of it. It was just some matches, wasn't it, to to fill some time. Um, I enjoyed the main events. Thought Daniel Garcia got to got to, to show what he. He's, uh, he's capable of against Moxley, even if it maybe wasn't his best ever performance. And yeah, the uh, they they showed off some some young talent. Whether that's uh, that's for better or worse. I mean, ultimately, it'll prove, I think it will just prove it to be for the better. I think the issue was is that once the Punk moment had happened, there's no follow up to that. There's zero follow up to that. What could, where can you go after that at that point? So it felt for me that the three matches in and of themselves kind of didn't necessarily matter. Moxley Garcia was absolutely fine and I've really enjoyed the stuff they've done with Daniel Garcia. My real hope is, is that let him do all the indie stuff. Let him have like the match against Minoru. Like, obviously he's got the match with Minoru Suzuki, I think coming up as well. You know, let him do all of that stuff. So at some point you've got the hottest indie wrestler in the world who's there floating around your ecosystem, but they're not there all the time, but also looks competitive in matches with like kind of big stars. And it's very weird how this him and 2.0 act have kind of gotten over so quickly. And there's no expectation I have for like say 2.0, but I, I, I enjoyed that match. Jade Cargill was a squash fine, you know, and you know, the, the, I didn't enjoy Private Party versus um, Jurassic Express, if I'm going to be honest with you. I think Private Party have really lost something. And they're the kind of team you want to be shipping out and about the place. Send them off to an impact for a bit. That's where you use your deal. Like, because I don't think they're like, they don't feel kind of top tier um, for me. But ultimately, it was 
it, they didn't shit the bed with anything else, you know, which is what, say, a TNA would have done. They didn't put anything in there that was going to reinvent the wheel. They just had the three matches. It's still relatively a lot of action to it. I don't know about you, Gareth. I mean, I think it, it, it kind of worked for what it was, but those three matches were, yeah. If you didn't see them, I think you, you'll live. Yeah, I, th- I think it was one of, one of those, like where obviously everything, no matter what happened on this show, like it was going to be overshadowed by Punk, and, and rightly so, you know. And I, I think the the main things that I would have been looking at from from AW from this would be getting that start with Punk, get you know, getting the audience on board, and then saying, okay, well, we've got forty five minutes or thirty five minutes remaining, you know, you know when we've got ad breaks and things like that, what can we showcase here for the, for these people who've maybe heard that CM Punk's going to be on the show, they've been a wrestling fan or and, and, and stopped watching them, maybe not watched AW before, you know, there may be WWE fans who are just switching over just to, to see what it is. And then I think they kind of like looked after the best of both worlds here. So I know Benno was saying there, like you don't want to see Christian Cage's face on there, but he's somewhere where it's a bit like, oh, Christian's here kind of thing. Or then like, you know, you've already seen like Sting's face there show up as well. But then like in interspersed in and around that as well, you've got this new talent on there. You know, you've got the likes of Private Party, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, where, you know, somebody might be like, oh, who are these? Like never seen these before. These, these are fresh kind of thing. And and, and then especially, you know, they, they did do some, you know, some pretty innovative stuff in that match as well, like Private Party as well, which again, to the to the more casual eye kind of thing, might just like jump off the page a little bit more. Obviously, Jake Cargill is someone who looks very impressive, you know, physically very impressive, is definitely different and, you know, jumps off the, off the TV screen as well. You bookended the show, you've got CM Punk at one end, you've got another big star in John Moxley at the back end as well. So, you know, uh, uh, and having him work with a fresh face and a, a and a fresh name as well. So again, that was kind of like that marriage of the the known and the unknown to to, to some degree as well, which which again was was very positive. And I, th- I think they just bled that through the show. The matches almost didn't matter. The matches probably yeah. met, the matches probably benefited from being short. There wasn't a lot of time available. So in this era of short attention spans, people maybe just giving it a go and things like that. They don't want to sit and watch like a fifteen minute back and forward match. They just want to see some like. You know, it, it's a, it's a showcase. It was a, it was it was an advert almost after after the the punk interview. It was just an advert about what AW was all about. They got Kenny Omega out there for a promo, didn't they? Um, backstage as well, so you get to see the champion and things like that. So again, I just thought as a, as a whole, it worked. And you know, even in the commentary booth, putting J, you know, we can be negative about JR, but he did a good job. Like early on in this, again, it's that familiarity. Mark Henry's seen there as well, and things. It, it just. It just felt like, you know, they, they had it scoped out perfectly to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, produce that AEW advert, that AEW showcase, really, and just piggyback off the, the, the punk side of things without it being essential TV. It was just, it was just a, this, this is who we are. Mm. Yeah, it's be hot, interesting to see how it holds up. Mm. It, I mean, like, if we're talking 1.34 for the first bit, it's like, I mean, and obviously it was one point one two overall so it's a it's a it's a yeah, high average whatever way you look at it but like it went 1.1 for the second set second quarter then to a million then to just though again just over a million for the fourth quarter but that's still good numbers you know what i mean people people stay still tuned in and people still saw those wrestles yeah so there was, there was over a million people at ten forty five mm. on a friday night in america watching daniel garcia exactly like, 
That says everything, doesn't it? And imagine, and imagine uh, when you add in the plus sevens. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm. There you go. There you go. I mean, you know, so that was uh, Rampage this week. I mean, there's the small matter of Dynamite was this week as well. Remember that? <laughs> like, it's, a, it's almost a shame because, like, they, they had, you know, they had one of their best ever first hours, I thought, on Dynamite. Like, Dynamite itself was, yes, it was a show of two halves, and we talked about it a little bit on the weekend show, JP, and that second half kind of slipped for me. But, you know, I, I still think, like, a very, very strong show. You know, if you get you get Sting and, and Darby Allen in there against 2.0 and getting Sting, uh, no selling that powerbomb through the table, you know, you're on to a winner with me. If you get Sean Spears being dragged to one of the best matches of his career against Sammy Guevara in the second match, and then you get that Young Bucks Jurassic Express tag right after it. I mean, those three matches, it felt like they opened into a pay-per-view tomorrow. That felt like a hot product. That felt like, I, I don't know, I... I see the point about, you know, you, you put your shot window in young guys and a lot of people are seeing that Daniel Garcia. Personally, I'd love, I'd love to have seen something maybe a bit like those matches on this big show that, that that's going to have a lot of people viewing on a Friday. But, you know, doesn't mean they can't do that on this Wednesday coming forward. And it doesn't mean, you know, you have to give everything away on every show because we got that. This was a reason to, this is going to be a battle for AW going forward, I think. Having the two different shows, is it going to split the audience a little bit? Like you're giving people reason to watch both, aren't you? And and you know encouragement to continue to watch both. And yes, we can say what we want about some of the segments in that second hour on Dynamite, but that first hour gave us you know plenty um, to be happy about. And like I say, felt to me like one of the the hottest first hours of wrestling television I've ever seen. And that is how hot this product is right now. Yeah, it was great. That, 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 like I said to you on the weekend, like real show of two halves. Um, and, and it was, it was just, you forget this is what good wrestling television does. And it moves at an absolute lick and the pace and everything else. And it, and it, it the second half, it I actually thought actively some bits of it were quite, kind of quite bad, if I'll be honest with you. And I was like quite bored, which I thought was quite shocking how it moved from one to the other. And I said earlier on that I'm not always as mad about, um, like dynamite for these last few weeks. And I think that's going to change once Punk's there because the entire dynamic of the company changes in and of itself. So like suddenly the focus isn't Kenny Omega, Christian Cage. It's like they're talking about one thing and it's almost like you're looking for post all out at this stage is where I am. So it's like, I almost like I've got thinking, yeah, there's stuff on the pay-per-view that seems like kind of obvious, but what is the direction after that? What do you do once Kenny Omega defeats, um, uh, what do you call um, fucking Christian Cage? I can't even remember his name. How shocking is that? It says a lot. Um, or like after you've got Darby Allen Punk, it's like what are the directions of those? I think that's the really interesting bit. Um, Bucks just fucking deliver and just say that. And this heel shtick of theirs, I do continue to enjoy. They deliver such a remarkable level of consistency that we all take it for granted at this point. But they're genuinely delivering three and a half star matches regularly on TV, and I don't know what the grapple rating necessarily was for it, but or what. But I'd be fascinated to know what the Bucks have done this year, actually, because I just think they just seem to consistently have good fucking matches every week, and they always draw good ratings. Like it's again not rocket science. Yeah, I mean that that match. It's like averaging at three point eight nine on the app. That's like a middle of a show TV <laughs> TV match, and it's you know it 
it's it's 0.1 away from being a four star match and again it's just one of those things where just like like when i'm when i like upload dynamite to the app and then like in a lot of instances i'm maybe not even watching it for like another day or another two days and i'm looking and it does just feel like that consistency with the books there that it's always always is out at like three and a half or or, or above i mean i haven't got the stats like straight in front of front of me for that one but again it's that consistency if you know they're going to deliver and I, i'm like you I, I love this heel shtick like i've to be honest i've never been a huge books fan like a, the, 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 they've not been somebody who throughout the new japan run and things like that that i was you know particularly excited about and yeah they put on like you know the odd decent match here and there but if, again from a match style point of view it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea but like i just feel like what they've done in the last six months I'm, I'm, I've just warmed to them so much. Like, I've, they're, they're such dicks. Like, they're such, like, as, as far as somebody being like a, you know, knowing their heel character and them being such a popular act, but being able to just get people to be, you know, booing them with their dickishness and stuff. It's, it, it shows how good they are. You know, it, it, it really, it really does. And every small little thing from the trainers to the things in their hair, just to the beards to, you know, there's always something, they're always doing something to make them look like, like bigger knobs, like every single week kind of thing. And it, and again, it's just building and building. And it's something that I've like, I've definitely, definitely enjoyed over the, uh, over the, over the last few weeks and months. And, you know, I can, I can only echo what you say really about like the, you know, the first half of the show, like loving that, the sting stuff, like <laughs> that powerbomb through the oh. table with the no cell and then just like hitting that double scorpion oh, uh, yeah. death drop to both of them and then putting on like the, the double scorpion uh, death lock just like this is this is this is television it's it's wrestling it should be fun it's like the the you know this is just a putting you know a nostalgic character out there in the correct way and just like it, it being enjoyable and it not been detrimental to the product with the level of guys that you're working with and things like that and it's been something to like put a put a smile on the face and god i had a big smile on my face watching that that whole ending of that match it was it, it was great and likewise as well with the the um the sean spears stuff like <laughs> Again, I was kind of like writing. I was watching. I remember watching that, and I was like writing my notes, and I was kind of like almost like second guessing myself writing stuff out. But I really feel like he's someone who's like delivered. I think you've raised this maybe like a month or so ago, JP, that you've been enjoying some of his mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I really feel like he's someone who, again, he knows his role within this system, and he's he, he knows what part he plays in the in the pinnacle, and then in you know in and his role here in getting Sammy Guevara over and. Um, certainly getting Sam Guevara over as a baby face as well you know within been a heel for that length of the time and then some of the personal aspects as well like he's, he's done a he's done a like cracking job with that like I, re- I, I, I really think and I, and I think one of the other things that he's done so well is is because he's not a big guy Sammy Guevara Spears is the way he's worked with him is shown that he can be a threat to like bigger wrestlers and mm. that, that like his his offense looks more like impactful and things like that as well. I, I I just think this this pairing, it's one that if you'd have put it to me on paper, like, you know, six months ago I'd have groaned. But like actually what a real positive I think it's been for for, for Sammy Guevara and you know really uh, really come out come out there. But also just some of the other like little things that they did, like that video highlighting Dante Martin. 
again, it just oh. made him, it, you know, it just made him like, that was something that just a short little thing, but it just made him look like a superstar based on what his offense had been like the previous week. And again, just reminding people of that. Cause I'd forgotten about it, but you see it again and you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah, that was, he was, he was awesome in that match. Wasn't he kind of thing. And it just like keeps it. And now it's a bit more slightly embedded in my mind about what that guy can do. And again, just that commitment to your younger talent and just making sure that you just kind of lay those breadcrumbs and put those seeds in people's minds and things like that. Again, it's, it's just, just another positive, positive element to element to it. But, um, but yeah, I mean the second half of the show, I mean, Obviously, you have talked about like the first half there, but at the main event was a real letdown uh, yeah. for, 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 for me at the end of this. And like, and, and I don't know if it's because of Jericho working, you know, five matches in five weeks or or, or what, but it just it it just didn't feel as big or final as it should have done. I did I, I didn't I didn't things just didn't cut through with me, me really sort of like the, the brutality or the hatred or the, mm. like, I thought it was going to be much more violent and much more of a, of a, of a, of a war that it, that it could have been. It just didn't feel as big as it no. should have been with this level of build. And, and I, I can't quite put my finger on why. I don't know if it was because Jericho was a bit knackered or whether they just didn't click or what. I don't like, I don't I like it's a bad idea in the start. It's a bad idea in general. Put Jericho in matches five weeks in a row. But I think for me, what like what it is is that like I, I don't think did anybody. I mean, people. I think it was like a collective miss here, and nobody thought MJF was going to be the fifth labor. Everyone just assumed it was going to be five challenges, and then at some point we get to the MJF match, and it's given separate yeah. billing, and it's special, and it's at all out or something. I think that's part of it. It coming so soon, and I don't. To be honest though, I don't buy this to be in the payoff. Like, I do think Jericho agreeing to tap out to MJF just to me stinks of Jericho. You know you know what he's like. You know, every every idea he has is a genius idea. And to be fair to him, you know, most of them hit more than, than, than they miss. You know, and I don't feel like there's anybody at AEW filtering him or, or talking him out of any of his bad ideas. See his commentary last week. But I think that with the way Jericho thinks, he's talked himself into this being a good idea because it gets MJF over. It's a good story beat. He has worked these five weeks in a row. You can say it, you know, it all, it all led to him, you know, being broken down and having to, having to, you know, tap out to, to his arch nemesis MJF. I still think they're coming back for a rematch. Uh, if, if, MJ, if MJF had walked out on Rampage on Friday and challenged CM mm-hmm. Punk, they'd gone, okay, I get it now. They put it, they fast forwarded the feud and got it over with on Dynamite. I don't believe it's over. I think they're going to another match because if they're not, this did not feel like a conclusion to me. Um, it just, like you said, Gareth, it was just something about it no. that just didn't work. I got bad vibes about a cage match at All Out. Oh, no. <laughs> another bump <laughs> off the top. <laughs> it's my fear, but there's also then it's the easy out and a bit of blood and you can fucking take shortcuts. Mm. But I was hoping that there would be the Chris Jericho needs time to kind of which is always code for go on tour with Fozzy, really. But he needs to go away and kind of find himself for a bit and then comes back. And doing it at this point in time when you got Punk and Danielson there, to a degree, you're arguing he's done the job that he needed to do, which is to make the place hot enough and attractive enough that a CM Punk and Brian Danielson would think of joining there. True. So, like, in that sense, like, his... his like his importance can't be overstated, but like you say, it needs to be Terry Funk. And 
Terry Funk needs not to be there every week. Yeah. And Terry Funk doesn't oh. always need to be on commentary. And he deserves that credit, Jericho, for like, yeah. you know what we didn't say about Punk? Like, my only disappointment is we didn't get this Punk segment two years ago, you know? Like, I, I will be forever like, oh, come on, man, surely you could have saw it coming, like, that this was you, this was a perfect fit for you. But in hindsight, it has worked right. This yeah. wouldn't have worked the other way around, you know, Punk at the start and Jericho coming in. Now we got Jericho at the start as, like, he was that big star that made it, like, okay, this is a legitimate wrestling company like he gave AW that credibility and now we've got a punk and a Brian to take it to the next level uh, but he does deserve credit for being that guy it's just you don't want to see him outstairs welcome either you know Will mentions in the chat mm. there is the retirement match coming uh, that Rampage commentary gig could be could be you know a, a tip off to, to potentially that coming <laughs> maybe that could be the next beat in this story I'm not sure Uh, it, it does just feel to me like it's it's time for a break. And I know the stuff, you know, again, we've raised in the past, Fozzy going on tour and things like that. And Jericho's somebody who's always known the value of um, the reinvention as any kind sure. of thing, the going for, going away for a bit and then, you know, you know, coming back. We've seen a lot of Chris Jericho over the last few weeks and probably the last few months, you know, again, we've talked in the, in the past about the length that this feud has actually ran for and it feeling like a very long time to get to where we are now and it does sort of almost feel like this huge pushing of Jericho in recent weeks in terms of you know TV exposure is is by design and it's surely it's been okay well let's just milk that last few drops out of him now and just like get let him go away and then when he comes back then you know there's that pop's going to be a bit bigger you know there's there's new fresh things for him to do he's out of the picture a bit we don't need to lean on him as much for ratings and things like that as mm. as, as well and and that that definitely feels like the the the, the right direction to me I, I i can't see any logical way from a storyline point of view of like how do they even get to a next match like to to me it's like you you know it, yeah. This was the this was the thing. This was the five labors. We had that match. You lost, kind of guy. Like, yeah. and it's it, it does it does feel like okay. Let's separate these now. At, the, at this point, it might be that he then comes back for a particular reason surrounding MJF in three months' time or something like that. Where you then do have some element of a blow off where Jericho gets that win and things like that. But yeah, it, it, it needs to. We're touring or not, he needs to just step back a bit now, and just we just yeah. need to just see a little bit less Chris Jericho on our on our, on our TV screens. I think I think because AEW will be the better for it, and Chris Jericho will be the better for it as well. Mm. Um, any other I mean, he's he's oh, you always think oh, he's always built up. Oh, yeah, just want to scratch the idea of being a cage. They're doing a cage match for the tag belts, so it makes no sense. They'll do a cage match, but now Will has mentioned retirement it's having a kind of inception effect on me and I'm going, of course, that's the direction they're going in. And then they'll have him come back because they don't mean anything for it anyway. But um, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts for Dynamite? Just AW in general. Weird in terms of the ratings that were higher in the second bit than they were. Mm. Yeah. It, a, a Paul White, Cutie Marshall. Why? That's WWE pay-per-view stuff. Yeah, I think this is where you like, agree with me like, a bit more. It, like it, on, you know, that ramp, that ramp, like I say, going into Rampage, I, again, I, I would, I might have stacked it a little bit more. Um, might be certain things I wouldn't put on it and other things I would have. But it, in the end, does it really matter? I do think that would all out though. I do, I do genuinely think like, yes, there's Punk Derby, but I don't know. Like, I think it's stretching 
because you mentioned this the other week, Gareth, like, you know, let's let's make sure, you know, it's fine as long as we are getting CM Punk or Daniel Bryan, as long as there is that bigger match. So we've got Darby Allen, CM Punk in the main event. Is there a line, though? Because I kind mm. of, for me, like, there's, it's a, there's things you can get away with and there's things you should do. Because they can get away with it, don't get me wrong. They can get away with QT Marshall Big Show being on the show. They can get away with Christian and the world title match, especially with a rematch to a, a well-received match on, on, on the first rampage. I'll, I'll give them that, you know. But is there a line like of like okay, like this is gonna be the biggest AEW pay per view in history? Yes, you don't need to give everything you know in your locker away. We maybe we don't need Hangman Page Omega, but do we need the stronger match for Kenny than Chris? Do maybe do we need do we need to stay away from doing a QT Marshall Big Show on this potential biggest AEW watch mm. AEW pay per view ever? Maybe. I do still think there's a line there between, again, what you can get away with and what is optimal. And, you know, there's a couple of warning signs here of maybe we're not getting what's optimal. I don't know. Have you been convinced either way on that yet, yeah, Gareth? You see, like, I, I like... This is one of the things where I like... Where you talk about, like... Well, talked about with, like, this, the, the punk promo about, like, not blowing your load. And I think this is something that AW are very good at, is that I don't think any of their pay-per-views have been laid out where it's been like, okay, here you go, here's seven matches that are all absolutely the dog's bollocks best matches that Mm. we could put on at this particular time. There's been a couple of matches, there's been some filler, and there's been sort of, like, showcase of particular talents and things like that. And I honestly think that that is their model in that they know that there's a certain number of matches or talents that we need to put on those cards that we know are going to generate the pay-per-view buys that we need to generate for now. And let's keep some stuff in our back pocket for TV ratings because they have put a lot of big stuff on television as well and pop good TV numbers as well, which again has helped kind of like build and sustain their audience over that, that period of time, which, you know, I think they've done well at, at, at doing that. And then, also, again, where they've kept them things where there's there's things that have been fresh, fresh matchups for the future. The fact that they haven't, um, you know, overexposed certain talent to working with each other across certain you know time periods as well. So it's something that I feel like they've they've got right. I mean, how many games of EWR have you started where you immediately and you've got that you've got your big world title and you've got your your your, your secondary people behind that. You've got your big two tag teams mm-hmm. going at it in like your first feuds that you set up and everything like that. You watch my stream. Two ones. <laughs> two months in you're like oh fuck I've, I've, I haven't got much to play with here now kind of thing because I've, mm. uh, I've, 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 I've done that now and, and I think they they know that like we could throw two other matches that are like high calibre matches on there and and what's the, what's the impact going to be on the pay-per-view buy rate it's probably not going to move it upwards more of what they're going to have by the the, mm. the headline matches that they have got in there so why waste it kind of, kind of thing? Put something on where there's sufficient on the, the show that people come away with a good taste in their mouth and think it was a it was a it, it was it was a good show, but you don't need to you don't need to stack cards to 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 sell pay-per-views and and I think that's um yeah, stretching stretching their talent, stretching their matchups across a you know broader time period is something that's been effective. I mean that was something, wasn't it? There was there was stats around a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, wasn't it, that showed how many 
um, repeat matches that happened in on Raw and on SmackDown and compared to AEW, the you know, you know the matches that um, had, had been repeated, and it was ba- it was basically like minimal. They hadn't you know there's yeah. very few instances of the same guys going in there a, against 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 each other. Again, it's it's to me it comes all back to that like analytics and, and and data and not just putting stuff out there for the sake of it because it feels like the biggest match. You don't have to do it. Like do what you need to do to get the pay per view buy rate that you that, that you need. And okay, if you if you if you have if you've got a um, you haven't got a show on grapple where every single match is an average of four star and above, they don't care. It's pound shillings and pences, and at the end of the day, or you know, yeah, I agree to a point. Like I do. Like I, I see that the business argument to it. But I would say, like, how many times have we done this podcast after an AEW pay-per-view? Have we ever said AEW have had a great pay-per-view? I don't think they have had a great start-to-finish pay-per-view. And I agree you can get away with it, and business-wise it's made sense for them so far. But I still do still think there's a line there where I would like to see AEW have a great pay-per-view. Like, I do think... That is important, that that we don't constantly... I mean, it's not like the business is going to go under or like it's going to have a... You know, there's that massive effect, you know, looming. But I think that is a thing, like, that that, that overall, you what you don't want the conversation after every pay-per-view to be, you know, I'll, I'll, it was good, but it wasn't great. I feel like that's been the pay-per-view every time. That's been the conversation every time we talked about AEW's pay-per-views. And I do think while TV is the most important thing... And while that money is the most important thing, you can get away with it. I still think if I'm AW, I don't want that to be the conversation piece each time out four times a year. I'm kind of with you on that because one thing I've complained about is that sort of lack of the big main event that delivers in the kind of absolutely like ridiculous match quality. Because I think there's a point where, considering what they're up against in WWE, it's also trying to be like from a business perspective, brilliant, but creatively the best and offering the best kind of matches. So even you're kind of taking some of the new Japan thunder as much as anything else as like the destination promotion to go to. I look at the card and I think, well, I, I'm hoping the women's match is Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. That seems to me to be the most, much most sensible route to go down because there's, there's good vibes from the first match. And I think they need to do that. I think they need to deliver on that, but it's, it's after that, it's, it really comes down to how good the tag match will be. And I'm expecting Jurassic Express to win the titles. Like it seems to be the direction that they're, that they're kind of going in with this, with the, with the steel cage and how good that could be. It's the potential of what they could do. And I think if they're doing the stadium show, which I think is coming sooner rather than later, I honestly do. If you look at that roster and it's something we never do is obviously have the time to go through, all of the potential like individual matchups you could just have there. Just throw out, I don't know. Yeah. Malachi Black versus CM Punk Mm -hmm. that you could do for that. Also as well, we are going to have those big TNT cards in the new year. The four big specials, the Clash of Champions shows basically. Mm -hmm. And there's some stuff for there Mm -hmm. that kind of like needs to tap into the mix. Think of, I almost think of the way that what they're doing at the moment is they're doing kind of what Marvel do. And they're building in phases. This pay-per-view is the CM Punk pay-per-view. So like I say, it'll do a brilliant rating. And as long as you don't have anything that really kind of shits the bed and enough familiar faces in order to get those kind of lapsed fans who've bought this pay-per-view for Punk in order to stay around, then it will have done its job. After that, 
where you're getting to is like your phase two Marvel where everyone is there and you've got this massive world of people and you're all kind of interacting with each other and you're playing a very difficult dance of how do you marry all of that stuff together and they're kind of creating they're almost doing like world building within wrestling Mm -hmm. at the moment but the potential for some of these matchups to be in a kind of Avengers Endgame style fucking monster hit that's not that far removed they can do that and they've also got like the card of going, how about we give a Carter and Tanahashi a shout to fucking come over as well here for a laugh? That's how <laughs> mental that. this fucking company is. That's nowhere near off the table. Yeah, we could have a, a Carter versus Punk. Mm. Why not? Mm. Like for shits and giggles. That's the kind of stuff that can happen. And no amount of Brock Lesnar returns is going to make me fucking think, well, that's better, is it? <laughs> that's it. But no, I think overall we all agree. I just. You know, I think there's a line, and I don't think they've quite crossed it yet. But I don't know. I think it's mm. worthwhile um, paying attention to. I suppose is what I'm saying. But um, should move on. I suppose from AEW. Um, what do we hit next? Are we leaving WWE to the end? We said we were going to do it. I think the cunts deserve it. Do you want to talk some Rev Pro? Do you want to talk uh, some stuff? Yeah, it's a good show, isn't it? From what I can remember, I don't <laughs> know. It, yeah. This is the point where any granular breakdown of CM Punk's promo is like, that's the most granular aspect of this show. Broad strokes, yes. I feel. I saw Gareth was taking notes, though. He was the professional. I, saw, I said to you at one point, Gareth, I don't even remember. I was like, are these for the podcast or the app? And you were just like, they're just they're just for notes sake. Like, they could be for either. They'll be, they'll be useful at some point. I hope they were. I hope they were. <laughs> I knew what state I was going to be in, so it's like uh, it's the same as like you know leave the bins out and things like that. You know, when you get to my age, you've got to have these uh, <laughs> you've got to have these little prompts on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, as a show goes, it was. I mean, the thing we we said going in and stood by it was. You know, Brit Rez is what it is right now. If you make the the big guns joke, kid like us joke, and like I say, him uh, him taking my my ticket on the door was a was a thing that happened. But you know, Brit Rez is what it is right now. I'm um, going into this show. We said it on the weekend preview, JP. Like considering the parts that were available to them, I think Rev Pro did as as good a job as you possibly could um, in putting mm. this card together. And coming out, I felt like it was as good a big quote unquote Brit Rez show. As you can do right now, you know. Didn't love everything on the card. Not, not everything worked for me. But you know, you give me a match as good as Young Guns and Aussie Open, um, as they did to, to close that first half. And you know, I'm not going to be saying Brit Rez isn't dead, but I am going to be saying you know, potentially there's there's still something there. Um, there's still, you know, there's still hope. I suppose in in, in one having the Aussies there as a, a team that you could potentially, you know, if you can get the teams to go against them, which is a question. Um, they can main event Red Pro shows going forward. The Young Guns, uh, you know, it's in the name. They're still very young and they're still getting there. And, you know, while they were heroes in Manchester, especially to to our little corner, they are, you know, their time's going to come later. I, You know, part of me was like, oh, I don't love seeing them lose in Manchester. But the other part of me was like, well, yeah, but at the same time, Aussie Opens are going to be the quote-unquote stars in a scene that is kind of bereft of stars going forward that will be able to headline, you know, cockpit shows and even potentially, you know, big York Hall shows if you get the right teams in to, to come and face them. So, you know, I, I got that book in there. And like I say, that match feels like the biggest talking point coming out of the show. And that was the loudest event you got. I'm, pro- I'm you know, clearly for me, you know, the match of the night. I've not put my uh, my ratings into grapple yet. I feel like as a 
as a man who was uh, once drunk who thought CCK versus LAX was something akin <laughs> to five stars, <laughs> I am careful about putting my, my live star ratings in these days, but it, 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 it's up, it's above four stars, I think it is fair to say, and I know yeah, you were similar on that, Gareth. Yeah, I mean, I've I've put it in. I've gone in at like four point two five, and and it was just, it, it, I mean, it was a match that I can remember, which is definitely a bonus at that point because uh, it, because the end of the show maybe did become a bit more easy once Sal and Cheap Shot got those uh, those uh, cheap shots into me. Um, but that was uh, something that. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, shots, there you go. There's the title. <laughs> there's, there's oh. the. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's there's something which definitely had an impact on my memory, and the notes were, were vital. But it, but to be honest, it was it was a match where I just although I knew it was going to be good, I didn't expect it to be that good. And then it also coming from a environment of where the British wrestling scene is right now and where it has been, and then just thinking about like some of the matchups that I've seen in the in in, in the last few years as well. I mean, this was right up there. This for me, this was like right up there for you know. If I was putting together a top ten matches I've seen live in my life, kind of thing in in, in Britain, this this is this is on the list. And you know, and and, and, and for a whole variety of re- reasons, you know, I think one was the, the the crowd investment. And okay, you know, we were in the corner with you know Andy and um, Jeff, you know, like leading the chance for the boys, the guns, and you know, and but but getting it going. And there was that kind of like you know there were conflicted people in the audience who were chanting for Aussie Open as well so you had that yeah. back and forward chanting going on it created a really good good, good good atmosphere from that point of view from a styles perspective I just thought that they just meshed perfectly I think some of the big lad stuff went between Luke and uh, Mark Davis you know like I really enjoyed that where they were just you know knocking hell out of each other and yeah. the, the crowd were the crowd were reacting to everything they were just really you know, you know really getting up for it and really Really getting behind them and you you really sort of like felt that kind of I think over the course of the match that that sway of crowd support towards the young guns and then wanting them to come back and get that big win and I think there was a there was a point where Luke hit a massive lariat and it was it for a near fall and like and and the place just like oh the, the, it it went off it was such like a, it was definitely like the pop of the day for for me and that and that that particular match I thought I think Carl Fletcher looked great and obviously the continued like development in him both like physically and and in the ring and likewise Ethan I think those two like 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 meshed um, meshed great as well and I just think all in all it was just it, it was just one of those where. It almost didn't matter to me what else was on the card because that that just stole the show and it just left me thinking like, can't wait to watch this again. Can't wait to put it on the app so I can slap my rating in. And um, it was uh, it, it, it was really something that I thought I hope it gets sufficient ratings come the end of the year and gets sufficient buzz about it to be challenging to be like on that grapple one hundred or certainly in there in the uh, top tag team matches in the uh, in the in, in, in the world this year as well because like I really did think it was did uh, did think it was that good. Like yeah, what a um, what a, what a match for delivering on the potential for, for for what it was left left a left a great taste in my mouth that one. Definitely, card needed it, didn't it? JP needed a big match like this, and uh, this was perfect. British wrestling needed it. Mm. British, what, what other matches had this level of buzz since um, wrestling has reopened yeah. and we've had shows even in the empty area? We haven't had anything close to this. 
I couldn't it recommend the match. Like that, that's always been the talking point. And when I no. say Brit Rez is there, that's the talking point. I would not recommend a single thing on you know the Progress MT Arena shows. Or even, why, to yeah. be honest, some of the Rev Pro MT, MT Arena shows, I would recommend. What? Even if you don't go as high as we are yeah. with live bias, you know, our American friends or the people listening to this, I mean, this is a recommended match. This is a match to watch. And we're saying yeah. it about a 2021 Brit Rez match. Exactly. And it felt like, just for a moment, it's like, ah, oh, this is this is kind of the thing that, that, that Rev Pro really needed was just that one match to really deliver on this and to get people buying in and thinking, watching this and feeling like it had a bit of buzz. That's the job of it. And I think it did that job. I mean, I've, I've just gone in on the, uh, I'm going in on the app for like 4.25 aware that there's, there's a live bias and I wouldn't be surprised because I was pissed mm. as well, but the atmosphere was great. Yeah. I thought Aussie open playing subtle heels were fucking brilliant. They adapted to the situation mm. and kind of did it because they were looking over at us. That's fantastic. Mm. I was looking at Aussie open going, ah, they're new Japan ready. Carl Fletcher is like, he's bulked up. But he's looking musky. He's not not just looking like a big lad. Mm-hmm. And you look at them going, yeah, really for them at this point, this should be the kind of last big sort of big regular tour that they do before they're doing New Japan. Because mm-hmm. that's really where they should be at this point. And if we can get an elongated feud and a series of matches between these two up and down the land, then thank God we've got something to go to. And we've got singles matches to go to, like you already pointed out. You do Luke Jacobs versus Mark Davis. Totally. Good bit of needle there. Uncommon. Interested in that. You do Ethan You do Ethan Allen versus Carl Fletcher. You do any real combination of the four. And I think they can make the dynamic work. And that's great. Mm. Because, um, like, young guns come out of this with their reputations enhanced. Again, you know, I'm not embedded within the scene in the Northwest, so I don't get to see young guns as often. But always oh, fucking impressed. They're did, clearly like. Hmm. Sorry, I was gonna say I didn't like them healing after the match. I don't know if you guys noticed that with them flipping off, yeah, the open and stuff. I was a bit like, oh, okay, like whoever told them to do that, that only that was, <laughs> you know, just just let them be babies for the night. Yeah, that that was a bit odd to be honest. I did, I did I didn't love that, but I suppose it puts a seed in for I didn't even consider the prospect of rematches you can rematch this at your call can't you like you know what I was yeah. going anyway if there's a rematch for this at your call on the uh, on the 19th that might well get me into the building um, to be honest and it might well get other people based on the reputation of this so maybe that's the thinking there um, but yeah that's an idea isn't it um, and, and, and from your point there JP about New, New Japan as well is obviously on this show, you've got like Shota Umino, you've got Will Osprey on this show as well. You'd have you, you'd you'd assume New Japan are watching, and and hopefully they're watching a bit more than just watching those two matches where their you know their guys are involved, kind of thing, and you know looking at things from a big picture. So they're going to see that from the Aussie, Aussie Open, but hopefully it makes them get their eye on the young young guns as well, oh. really as well, because you know we we always talk about what not wanting them to sort of fall into the NXT UK clutches and then definitely been you know something where there's their wrestling style and there's there's more to them that they you know they need to go and work japan and things th- things like that as well hopefully that's the, that's one where in the same way that you had your you know your your okada getting a look at osprey hopefully there's a there's an element there of getting a look at young guns and what these lads are capable of doing and thinking mm-hmm. hang about these two people that we could, could be working with us and then you know although they're both big lads um, in, in terms of their, their their body growth over the last couple of couple of years, 
you know, they could be in the juniors tag division, yeah. couldn't they? In 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 New Japan, and would be a great little addition to that, and just a just an introduction, you know, from from, from that standpoint as as well. I'd, I'd I'd love to see those two go down that route rather than the the, the WWE route. Let's hope. And from things we've heard, they've got their their heads screwed on right, and they're they're not going to end up in the uh, the Enfield warehouse. But yeah, that would be the route for those lads to, to travel. This is the right company for them. This is you know this is where they should yeah. be. This, I'm you know we again moan about the same wrestlers being on shows up and down the country. That this is not what I'm going to moan about. Like I. The, the day Andy Quilton started booking the Young Guns, it was like, yes, more of this. These are the people we're talking about, you know. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, sorry, JP. No, 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 crack on. Uh, well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, the, the other, I suppose, two notable matches from this are the is the double main event um, in Osprey, Doug, and Ricky Knight uh, Jr. shows are in Of course, we had all had a few drinks by this point, but I went to the uh, the pretty much the front for for Osprey, Doug. Look, there was a spare seat sat there. No one was sat in it with social distancing. Um, it, it was an easy job. Um, sorry, Andy Q, I'll send you the tenner on uh, on PayPal, but um, it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I did because it. For me, it was it was you know whatever your, your thoughts are on Osprey, it was it was cool to see you know the allegedly rightful IWGP champion live in the fashion of fucking warehouse in Manchester. You know to get to see a wrestler that caliber um, up close is something you know, and in there with Doug, um, who you know has seen better days, but <laughs> it's mm-hmm. you know I think it, in a way like that match for me kind of gave an opportunity for Osprey to. You know, a lot of like the the tricks and things that Osprey will do in his big matches, he couldn't really do, and it became more of a, a back to basics kind of match. He almost had to have with Doug in there. Don't get me wrong, Doug took some bigger bumps than maybe I would have expected to him to in there. But you know, that one for me was probably my my second favorite match of the night. In that, you know, again, not a five star match. Probably you know, rough on grapple. I'll probably go three and a half. Um, maybe it's uh, maybe I'll rewatch it uh, on VOD. Even if you know I did get that that good view of it, but you know, a really solid um, you know British heavyweight title match. Uh, interesting. It went on second to last as well. I, I love that that booking move of of giving Ricky Knight Junior the main event even over um, these two. I think that it adds a couple of more layers to to that little story. But yeah, it, it delivered for me. I didn't have you know five star expectations on it, but all in all, I I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed. It. I thought it was like. Osprey did an incredible job of getting that kind of match out of Doug Williams at this point in time, mm. but he got some juice out of Doug Williams mm. as well. Mm. Um, and like you, it's like it's not like the result wasn't in doubt. And it, it was like Osprey really had his working boots on. So whatever injury issue he's been working through, he looked like he was kind of back to it, frankly, and like he hadn't missed really that much of a beat. It wasn't quite the job I saw him do with Vader at York <laughs> Hall, where he was literally like wrestling himself with this like big bloke that was nearby, but it, it, it was a point. And, and, and like say, when he did the Spanish fly, Doug Williams, like, fucking hell. Like, this is, this is asking, you're asking a lot here, but it looked good. Uh, overall it did look good. And, and I enjoyed it. I was impressed. Place. Yeah. I enjoyed both of the double main events, to be honest with you. I thought they were fine. I mean, the stuff afterwards I thought was shit. <laughs> but I was drunk and not fucking humouring any of that stuff as well. But yeah, I went th- I went three and a half mm. on on this one mm. um, because I thought it was like it kind of delivered as much as I had any reasonable expectations of it delivering. Yeah, I can't comment. Don't remember. 
at this point i was stood at the back drinking and talking um, and these uh, last two last last two last two matches my, my much vaunted notes say chaos theory near fall osprey wins that is, what I, that is all i've got well, you're not wrong that, that, is, that is what i've got written down so that, so there you go that's my review of the events but um lovely uh Lovely Jägermeister and um, overpriced cans of bud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say, I thought Osprey Doug was definitely the better of those two last matches. I didn't. Ricky Nair Jr. is great. I appreciate they've got him in this role. I think it was good booking to put him in the main event over Osprey. It was good booking to have Osprey and show to have that, you know, stare down on the, on the way to the ring. It maybe gave a little bit of doubt of what the result was going to be. But Shota Rumino didn't look brilliant, to be honest, and the match was a bit clunky. Um, I thought that main event, it, it just, yeah, it, it, it wasn't... While I, I commend the decision to put it in the main event, when it actually happened, it didn't feel like the main event. Um, I don't know if you've got any more recollection than that, JP. I remember kind of enjoying this. Again, like, this is, this is a sketchy review at best. It's like trying to review a <laughs> film you watched when you're completely off your fucking tits. Amazing. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I do remember kind of enjoying it. I remember, like, I was sat with Alan at this point, and it was like, we were talking about Tiny Hashi, because it's so Tanahashi-influenced, this Shota Umino character. Yeah. And really, in some ways, with him carrying around the jacket, it just feels like we're building up to a point when Moxley comes over it, frankly. Yeah. Like, that, that that feels like with that. But it helped Ricky Knight Jr. I mean, I didn't... I, I, and Shota Umino will work more shows because it appears to be they're in a right old kind of regular schedule and I think that'll be I'd be interested to see where he is by the time he leaves I don't know how long he'll be here for I'm Mm. suspecting sort of like three four months maybe but I don't know maybe I was higher but again listener I was drunk so like it could be absolute dog shit really as far as I'm aware and I just remember a couple of bits that made me smile and that was it most people I spoke to after the show seem to be higher than me on it um but i I, say i thought it it, it kind of paled in comparison to the match that came before it i mean you mentioned before jp you know the the angle that came after this as well osprey and ricky ricky knight jr going back and forth i mean you know there's been some twitter discourse about osprey's reaction when he came out i'm not i mean i know lene put that video up i'm not sure that video completely (laughs) reflected you know reality it wasn't like it was completely dead when osprey come out or he was getting through the reasons other than the fact that he was playing up to it um and being a heel for the most part i'm sure there were people in the crowd as well who feel a particular way about osprey um as far as i'm concerned when he came out he felt like the biggest star in the building he felt like you know a level of star above the the rest of the people on this card i didn't really i think what a lot of people are reading into it off that 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 clip i'm i'm not entirely sure was born out of in reality i mean Manchester shows don't always have the best atmosphere anyway, especially for heels. Um, and, you know, people comparing it to Osprey's big baby face homecoming, I think, are maybe missing the point a little bit about what Osprey is um, mm. in Red Pro and New Japan at this point. That said, I did, I did you know, that... I think feel like Ricky Knight Jr. saved, you know, that post-match angle. I, I know you were you were still with me for a bit of it, JP, and kind of were, were in agreement with that. Osprey threw in a weird challenge um, to CM Punk, which unfortunately the house mic didn't usually pick up very well or or what. And I, I don't think people quite knew he said CM Punk at first. And then he followed up and clarified, but it kind of felt, 
you know, while it, on the one hand, it's kind of cool to go from seeing the biggest moment in wrestling the night before and then have it referenced right in front of you at a random warehouse in Manchester. It did feel a little bit low rent as well. Mm. And Osprey was very rambling um, in his promo. And it did take Ricky Knight Jr. to bring things back on track, which showed he's got an old, you know, an old head on those on those young shoulders. And I think, you know, Ricky Knight Jr. in a way saved that segment and, yeah, you know, helped um, create I think a bit more interest in in their inevitable um, your call match than than I actually think Osprey did. Um, as much as I think I overall enjoy this story. Yeah, I, I find this this sub Conor McGregor stick it's shit. Like it's one thing like being here. It's just like it was. What was it wearing? His mum's Versace mm. dressing gown mm. as well. Mm. It looked very low rent. Like you say, it, it rambled on. I was like, at that point, the show had already overrun by half an hour. Oh, I, did, again. I didn't realise that. Yeah. The two two nine, yeah, they'd overrun mm. again. I only found this out obviously on the. I didn't recognise this at the time. I wasn't suddenly like fucking sober enough to keep direct sort of like worrying about what time it ended at. But that was like that. That's an issue, um, and I didn't know if it needed that. I think if you had RKJ standing tall at the end of it and Osprey comes out on the stage and then just goes back, that's the end of it. That would have been kind of better for it as well. But yeah, I, I didn't like this at all. But it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. And it's just that, it's just a bad promo. And we were like possibly the high people on the bloody promo he did in um, in the States when he went over that. And this one, again, probably it's not helping with that mic. But yeah. Yeah, there were issues with that um, through the night, that is fair to say. Um, but the match itself, though, still is. It's the match uh, in Road Pro, and I'm yeah. sure it's going to it's gonna sell some some York Hall um, tickets. Um, I was going to say, you know, elsewhere on the show, any any other matches or people or just overall about the show that stood out to you guys? I think the... I mean, one of the things that I think from, from this show, I don't know, again, I don't want to like hark on the negative kind of thing, but... I, I was quite excited to see Robbie X and Mike Loku. I thought, like, you know, once Ridgeway was announced as not been in, in, in that and it was going to be a straight-up, like, one-on-one match, I thought, like, oh, this could this could be, like, a bit of a, you know, silent banger, this one, really, because both of those two can can can, can go. Obviously, we've seen them have, like, good matches in the past and things, things like that as well. But, you know, I thought, as a sort of show opener, that one it sort of underwhelmed me a bit really you know it was it, it was one that it was it, it was fine but it didn't hit the the levels that I that I that I hoped it would and then mm. obviously like Michael Oku worked twice because you know later on he had the, the tag match with with Connor Mills against Screwface and Lucian Phillips and and that and and that that match just sucked that was just oh it was like I, I was I, I was just left thinking like god I've just seen like one of the best tag matches I've ever seen live and in person. And now this is on after it kind of thing. And it just felt like, why has this been placed on the show after, mm. yeah, after, after that, it, it was, it was a dragged. It was a real sort of disappointment, dull point really for that, that for me. And, and I think this was probably one of the biggest, um, biggest, I don't know, disappointments of the show for me was that Michael Oku didn't deliver for me in either of these matches because he is someone that I've enjoyed in the past, is someone where, you know, I've probably thought, you know, the potential's there and, you know, mm-hmm. certainly the British scene being the way it is, him being someone that I thought probably was, you know, one of the, probably going to be one of the key figures to to step up and, you know, probably grab 
grab a big space really and make himself into a into a bigger star. But you know, compared to like Ricky Knight Jr. at the minute, they look they, they look leagues apart to me. Like the pair, you know, the the the, the pair of them. I think there's a there's a there's a big difference in not um, in, in just general kind of like stature and star quality. And I don't know there's a big part that's been the way that Ricky Knight Jr. has been pushed during this period um, where 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 Rev Pro have obviously been working to, towards this. But it it looks like the you know it looks like there's a the, the, there's a reason behind that because I think he's um, is is someone that looks like he's is operating on a on a different level. Um, unfortunately, I think like outside of that, I mean, a lot of the other matches did just kind of just feel like filler around that Aussie Open Young Gun mm-hmm. stuff, and it was very much kind of representative to me of where the British scene is at, at the moment. You know, there was the, the Dan Maloney Adam Maxted match, which I just found to be very average and just yeah. just it was just a, a, a middle of the road match, the high end Sky Smithson match again. That I thought that was poor. The Giselle Shaw uh, Mariah May match. I don't think that was was anything to write home about. Re, uh, and she really got so. hurt in it, Mariah May. Yeah. So it so it felt it it, it felt like. Yeah, it felt like a three-match card, and I was only sober enough really to watch one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think when it comes to the rest of the card, and I've probably been quite brutal in my ratings for him. It's like I can be very harsh with d- delivering out some of these. It's a case where, realistically, on a wrestling show in the UK, you're not going to have seven great matches throughout it. I think the issue I would say is there was too many matches on this card. I don't think you needed either the the tag title on there as well. I know they had to have Hyann on there because they're building up her to be up against Gazelle Shaw next. But then they didn't have Zoe Lucas and Mariah Mayer to come in and had the weird stuff with Kenneth Halfpenny and um, Sean Jackson as a budget varsity blondes. Um, It's almost like that stuff. It's not for me. I'm not really, but it doesn't get me going. But then I was kind of having a drink with me mates in the room watching it hyped up for the bigger matches there and the other stuff was going on and it was like, okay, this is whatever. I just didn't think it was, it was particularly good. And like you, I mean, I thought the opener, I went three stars on Oku Robbie X. I thought it was, it was okay, but it could be better. And I back like, you know, and I really like Robbie X as well and like Oku. So I kind of wanted to see um, like almost better from them on there. But ultimately I think, and this is where I'll talk about the other things around it. But a title, like we were worried about how it was going to look, but then it kind of re- quite nicely filled up by ring mm-hmm. time. And it looked like it would look good if, if you can get the camera work right, which we've been brutal about. So we wait and see. But I thought the presentation of it looked good. Um, Steph, Steph Chase coming out and introducing people to what's going on. And we were talking about the video before. And I know, Gareth, mm-hmm. you'd seen that and you're big fan of that as well but keeping you up to date with current storylines something they've never done they've never used we used to bang on about why don't you use the cockpit shows put them up on youtube for free because people don't know a lot of these storylines going into your call events well they're kind of making the effort here about what is going on at the minute with that and there's kind of two sides to that where you've got um also as well i must say like really good ring announcer i don't know who she is but her voice and everything else, like I've seen her do a couple of shows. And I think she's, I think she's actually, I think she's good. And like really 
like kind of managed to li- to deliver. So it's like kind of an interesting dynamic going on with the shows that's slightly different to what they have done, where they're concentrating on their on-demand product whilst at the same time, like um, producing something live. Where as long as they've got that kind of live good good match and you know you've got a reasonably kind of hot crowd. Well, I say hot crowd. I mean it's obviously died down at points. Um, but yeah, like some of those little aspects about it of, of how it looks and I hope it comes across well. Cause I'll be uh, fucked yeah. up. I'll watch it and the sounds is shit and the camera work is too close and cutting in. I'll be like, just put my hands up in the air and just go, well, why bother? Yeah. That's, that's one thing I would want to reference. You, you mentioned it there, JP was the, the video that they put out on like their YouTube or on tw- on social media and things like that before the show. And it was like the, the 15 minute edit with, with Steph doing the voiceover and just, you know, show it like the build up to the feuds for, so for somebody there not watching, um, you know, with, with, I suppose with the Rev Pro product being so like geographically diverse and it's, it is difficult to get to every show and you know, that, that, that focus on, on VOD for me going there and getting to that show live where I haven't been following um, certain storylines it really worked well to kind of just get you up to speed and it made things feel like bigger, you know, like that, that main event, the RKJ show to match the way it was presented on that, on, on that video, really just like it made it like stand out as something that you, you, you know, particularly wanted to see and just sort of some of the backstory that they put in place for some of the other matches, you know, again, it was, it was something that really worked and got me more excited going to the, going to the show that I ordinarily would have been. And they obviously they showed it again at the start of the show as well. If that would be something that I think RevPro definitely in this environment where they're running shows in Bristol and Southampton and London and Manchester and Sheffield and things like that. And there is only going to be a small base of people that are going to be, you know, following things month to month or fortnight to fortnight or what, whatever it is, anything that they can do like that to keep people engaged is, is going to be a massive win for them. And um, yeah, but, it's something they should certainly keep doing. Definitely, yeah. I lost track. You know, obviously, clear uh, bias here with uh, with <laughs> with Steph. But like, you know, I I think we we we'd all say that. But I would say like, you know, we'd all everyone I spoke to through the day said that about like how important that video package was at the start of the show. Maybe a bit on the long side, I did think. Um, but all in all, you know, I'm glad it existed, and I'm glad I hope that has always been a, a sticking point. You turn up to your hall if you're someone like me, or you're someone you know from the north who doesn't always go to shows, and you might not necessarily, unless you've got a, a British wrestling podcast once a month, you might not know what happened on the Southampton show or the Bristol show or whatever. So no, I think I. Everyone there agreed it was a it was a good touch and yeah if Repro wants to continue expand and run shows in you know Southside venues and run more shows in Manchester and run more shows around the country that is that is something um, that you'd have to do but no echo a lot of the, you guys thoughts on on the undercard there and just all in all you know while maybe not every match was 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 great I think all in all I think we got a package of a show that was you know as good as we could have asked for and it, it certainly made me you know definitely consider uh, further going to York Hall and it absolutely you know next time they, they run Victoria Warehouse beer aside Fantastic venue, fantastic day out. Uh, I think we can all agree on. And yeah, the, the be beer fun. is a fucking disgrace, and I can't <laughs> overemphasize that point. Yeah, I, I'm aware of the uh, shame for, for, for people. Yeah, it is a it is an issue, and it used to be better as well. Though it wasn't great in the past, but they've uh, uh, at least have some beers on tap, lads. So I'll put the food van on. The first, first progress show that we went to there, it was great. They had like they had a like range of different, you know, nice 
different like craft beers on there. They had the food trucks outside with you know loads of different variations. It's kind of like something that I'd like got in my mind. And then turning up this time, it's like no food, and it's after oh. turning into the show, you can have a can of bud for five fifty and nothing else. Jesus Christ! Just uh, yeah, sort that one out. Honestly, to God, like we, I, I thought we we were leaving this Wolverhampton shit behind us. Honestly, I don't want this. I don't want this fucking dark fruits bollocks. Whatever the cheapest lager is, it's fucking shocking. Yeah, I, why is it there? Who likes it? It's tr- proper cider. Uh, I mean, I've had it on occasion when fucking like, to, oh, I'm needing a drink, so I'm having this. But even I'm drawing the limit. That bollocks now. Too old for it. Oh, amazing. Well. Thinking of stuff. Speaking of stuff that we should be too old for, and why is it there? Is it time to talk about WWE lads? We've left it to the last, last part of the show, last half hour of the show. What they deserve. We might go a little bit over, brother. We're going to go a lot over, to be honest. Because I mean, do we have a lot to say that we don't say every month? I mean, should we start with some positives? I mean, to be honest, of the WWE weekend, mm. I think I want to talk more about you know Takeover and, and NXT and you know. Stop me if you've heard this before, but Walter and Ilya, in the midst of a, a brand that sounds like it's dying, had a near five-star match. Um, they did it in NXT UK, and, and here they came again and uh, did it at, a, at an NXT takeover. That's at least a positive, you know, before we can get into the, the stench of death that surrounds uh, NXT in general. And, you know, even me, biggest ROH fan, of, I should be doing this podcast, you know, doing somersaults of all the facts. CM Punk came back, and Samoa Joe was the NXT champion, but even I couldn't get behind that main event. It didn't. It didn't feel like it mattered. It didn't feel like, you know, it felt the stench, like I say, the stench of death is all over that product. It didn't help that, you know, Samoa Joe was gassed three minutes in. Um, and, you know, might actually be an argument for why Nick Khan could be potentially right about uh, some of, uh, some of uh, not Nick Khan, Vince in general, um, but, you know, going with the, the older talent in NXT. But, you know, we can get into that and the, the general stench around NXT. But I, I will say, you know, Walter Ilya, I feel like they delivered again. Um, and it felt like, uh, I'll, I'll go to you first. Gareth because it, it felt like a Gareth match I felt like this was I wouldn't go the full five on this yeah. one um, I think I'm probably going to go I think I, I'm, I'm four and a half but I, I did want to maybe watch this one again um, but altogether a very different match than the first one and yeah still fantastic fantastic work paying off on that previous work again as a, as a bit of a you know a bit, a bit of a mirage in the desert or a bit you know something you know special um in between in between a lot of stuff that didn't feel like it really mattered on this show yeah no that it, it, this was you know it was it was it was the beacon in the wwe weekend basically wasn't it yeah. this the, this one it, it was the it was the it was the match that obviously like clearly stood out from like an in-ring standpoint but um I th- you know I, th- I think it was one that it it, it just delivered on a big match feel like anyway generally i think kind of thing in the in in, in elements like i, I think there were I, I i liked that from a presentation standpoint like it started with them you know the backstage entrances and stuff it just kind of like maybe just stood out slightly than the matches that had gone before it and just made it feel like a little bit more special like they they were placing a bit of stock in it which was which was you know quite nice to see as you know negative as we can be about wwe i was quite pleased that they sort of presented it in that in 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 that way and that 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 setting i mean something i will say is in the video package before it where 
again, it was from an episode of NXT UK, so obviously I haven't seen it, but you had like HBK saying, this match should be seen by the entire world. And I was thinking like, oh, there you go. There's your ringing endorsement for NXT UK that, yes, we're not going to show it on the brand that it should be on because we want more people to actually watch this match. So it was kind of like, uh, mm. should you really be promoting that fact that you're pulling it away from the uh, TV show that it's on because you actually want people to watch it? Like that wasn't the most, uh, the best sell job um, for, for me initially, but the, oh, I mean, the, the match itself, I mean, like, I think I, I love the start with like Ilya sort of very much been that sort of, you know, that speed and evasiveness and, you know, just trying to draw Walter in, but then Walter being able to kind of like quickly get hold of him and land some like big, big strikes and big knees and things like that. But then, but then Ilya seemed to just like demonstrate a bit more like, grappling strength maybe than we've seen previously in a lot of situations where has dominated him in, in in the previous matches he was he was getting on top a bit more and he was like he was taking control you know with a his like headlocks and arm bars and things like that that he was he, he was putting putting on putting on and then you know I really liked the spot where Walter was caught and he lifted him to the top rope and then like knocked him to the outside and he did the apron power bomb and you know I thought that was I thought that early start to the match, I just thought it kind of like really just sort of like set the table really for for the for, for the for the the root of the match and the, and it been a little bit more more different and you know I think there was um, then following on from that you had where you had Walter coming you know back in the ring and getting that level of dominance there was a you know where you're talking about matches of this level and this like high quality then you start to like look for the little details and things like that and then there was there was a bit where. Walter hit a German suplex and then he went to put a Boston crab on 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 Ilya and Ilya was like really fighting it and Walter was really like struggling to complete the Boston crab and turn him and then he just gave him like a good kick to the back which meant that he was able to turn him and it was it was one of those where it, it just put in that like added element of realism it wasn't just you know wrestler A grabs wrestler B's legs and he just turns him over and just sticks him into the into a Boston Crab. It was like, it was a genuine fight and it just sort of like showed that Ilya was, you know, he was, he was, he was going for it all and Walter was needing to just go that like extra mile to be able to just like complete something like a Boston Crab, you know, moments after he'd powerbombed him on the, on the, on the ring apron as uh, as well. And just that sort of like nuance, just like bit of details. One of those things that just kind of just like set it apart and just build it up from that, um, that um, high, you know, high quality match. I think there was, um, there was then, I think it, it was it was taken on, and I, I think at this point it was. I think that Ilya's pop at the start when he came out was pretty sedate, almost kind of thing. I don't think the crowd were particularly mm. into him, or I don't know. Maybe it was an, an awareness factor, or maybe just like a, again that non NXT UK exposure. But I felt like at at, at this point, I just felt the crowd just really started to like build and get behind him and they kind of like understood the the story that was been been told in 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 front of them of, of this this underdog try, scrappy fighting spirit you know trying to come back against the bigger man who'd, who'd had his number in the in in the previous match and knocked seven shades out of him and you know i think there was the point where like walter landed a huge chop and and, and Ilya just like 
really fired up and landed a couple of strikes of his own and then a big German suplex and 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 the, and the crowd just went like fucking wild, which again, you come in from a situation where we've been like so critical of, you know, empty arena NXT stuff and just how bland it feels and just how boring and dull it feels and even like matches that have been presented as being good matches that don't connect in the same way. Even just having two hundred or three hundred people in there that were able to like react in this in this way. It was something that just like felt like it just elevated this match a little bit more to me. And I think that, you know, one of the strengths of the previous match in the in the BT studios that we talked about was the fact that there was no crowd and you could hear everything and because this match was presented in a different way i think it kind of like needed it and it needed that audience uh, or, or, or audience build and, and and reaction on 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 this particular one and you know i think that would that built right towards you know at the end of the match where obviously you know i think walter had you know, he'd landed the the power bomb, and then he landed the top rope big splash, and then like Ilya kicked out at like two point nine nine, and we know that like when Walter lands that splash, that's been it kind of thing in the in, in the in the past. That was a another really big moment that they built to with the uh, with, with the crowd um, with the crowd um, point of view. You know, I think. I, 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 I think that just like added something and just sort of like notched it up there, and then you know, and I've seen some different views on the finish um across twitter today but it was it was it was one that i you know i i i, I like the way it was set up because um you had that kind of like the initial um putting on putting on of the sleeper and then it was sort of like um fought out then like Ilya like um sticking it on again and then him breaking the sleeper himself to kind of like just like repeatedly just you know strike Walter and then um, kick him and strike him again just to weaken him that bit more and then going it for the third time and then the quick tap from Walter I think made it kind of for me I've seen um, you know different people on, on social media talking about it maybe feeling a bit too fast but for me it just felt like like fuck, he's got my number. I'm done, kind of thing. And like it was, it was, it was that real kind of definitive. I've got him, kind of thing. And I, and and I think the build to it with the, the 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 two previous attempts and then the kicks and the strikes, kind of thing that kept, that went went between it. Like I just thought it 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 just built to that finish so well, and and the crowd went fucking nuts, you know, at the at, at the end, and and like you know from start to finish, it it, it was it was it was something that I just think. It just built and built and built. I think the crowd got it into into it more. I think as you know, as the as the as the match went on, um, I think that you know the the way that Ilya came back and exerted his dominance, like by the end, was something that was presented very well and very very different. And you know, you said it was you know felt like you know, my sort of match, Benno, I've just sat and bloody rabbited on about it there probably for about 10 minutes. Sorry, lads, I've just, <laughs> yeah. I've just done a start. I've just, I've just done a start, start to end on it. I know we're, I know we're late in the, in the morning, but yeah, I mean, I've gone 4.75 on it. It didn't have five stars of feeling for me kind of thing. And it didn't feel five. Mm. I saw a lot of fives thrown in there for it. Yeah, I flickered back and forth. I flickered back and mm. forth between like four and a half and 4.75 over the course of the day. But what I do know is it's, it's a match that's absolutely elite up there with the best match 
matches that we're going to see this year. Mm. I'll watch it several more times probably in the next couple of weeks. And, then, and you know, I'll land on four and a half or I'll land on 4.75. I certainly won't land on any less than that. And then again, just for, for that to be something that you're seeing from two um, people on a WWE product and, you know, certainly on an NXT product in this environment as well. It's almost just testament to how good these two are because, you know, really, really, you know, strong stuff. And, you know, mm. and, and, and something I would say as well is it was the biggest crowd reaction of the night throughout that match. And at the end of that match, the crowd popped huge for it and they were really, really into it. And are WWE ever going to get the lesson the reason that the crowd, the, you know, the crowd were into it, and it was because it was great wrestling. It was, it was, it was two guys going out there and wrestling and knocking hell out of each other. And it was the what if they had their with my market research hat on, if they had their ears open and they were listening to the crowd reaction and listening to what the crowd wanted and enjoyed, then it was it was this. And then, but they're not going to give us more of this, are they? They're going to give us some six foot eight athletes who can go out there and 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 do not much but um yeah sorry i'll stop talking now <laughs> yeah, i thought it was all right <laughs> it, it was decent stuff um I, I i can't i can't follow that i went i went four and a half i mean for me yeah, it's so bizarre like and i'll go back and i'll watch it again and i'm sure it'll end up on my top 10 list so like oh uh, yeah it, it'll be on, on that front i kind of and, and maybe i'll feel different about the finish because I think instinctively is that my natural reaction was not to like it. I mean, Will in the chat here says it makes sense within the psychology of the flat track bully for that, for them to tap quickly because they're fundamentally a coward. I get that. That makes actually perfectly logical sense, which then rewards a second viewing of it, which is kind of the point though, mm. that like I, I'm invested enough to want to watch again. It's just that exists this match in such a vacuum. Oh, yeah. To everything else that they produce and can produce. It's bizarre. It's the bizarre Walter WWE run where he just seems to fundamentally get big matches mm. in a way that nobody else seems to get. And it's, and it's where he lands up is a fascinating story mm. because does he re sign? I can't imagine he signed for a long time. Are we coming towards? the end of that is this a sign of it he's over 30 he's not got the physique that they're looking for and they and as gareth has said it's not like they listen to crowd responses or how good the matches are or like you know people who, who aren't fully aware of walter reacting in a way but they're going batshit when they're watching his matches and that should be telling you something and but it's it just exists in a vacuum and then i always think well what happens from now where do we go here with Ilya Dragunov, because it feels like everywhere is kind of downhill, like from this, unless you're going to go into another one of these matches, but this feud has kind of run for quite a long time. And I think the finish would probably help lend itself naturally where Wall just says, you know, all right, you got kind of lucky with, with the ending, but I'm not going to allow that to happen this time around. He comes back even angrier, but mm. yeah, it, it's great stuff. Four and a half. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Definitely, yeah, honey. And you know, I'd take a third match, but that's if NXT, you know, exists in its current form um, going forward. If there's a place yeah. for Walter, NXT UK goes away as well, and NXT itself turns into, you know, what is uh, apparently according to, to to Nick Khan going to be the case. I don't even know where Walter fits in in the in the WWE system anymore. It's it's definitely going to be a question going forward, and 
you know, like I said, it's not just him. Um, I thought that, I've got to say, I thought that main event was was particularly weak. Uh, I thought this, but to be honest, I mean, we'll have to run through it because I've got a huge amount of time. But like, I thought that and the and the you know the three stages of hell match, which was never designed for me. Um, three star efforts like i just didn't didn't see anything in them maybe it's the, the stink surrounding the brand you know uh, in fact it probably is it while you know you, you're right walter Ilya had, had that feeling of being great in a vacuum once again i don't think carrying cross and samoa joe and you know adam cole and kyle o'reilly could get away from that that feeling for me that none of this foot shit matters you know great i should be like i said before made up some mojos nxt champion and i just don't really care um and it felt like you know even the crowd were, were shitting on carrying cross on his entrance you know chanting chant for scarlet and you no know, uh, chant for jeff hardy and you know just in general kind of making fun of the fact that this was you put on twitter jp this was a i mean it was a funeral wasn't it like this is what this was this is the end of of nxt as we know it and i felt like those two matches and to be honest the bulk of the rest of the cards that's what it felt like i found it very difficult to uh to engage even more so than i than i normally would uh, with this 2021 nxt product yeah we don't even review it Mm. we don't even think of reviewing it i forget it's on because it doesn't feel like it means anything yeah, mm. I honestly to God, most Wednesdays for the update when I have a look, I'm like, oh shit, that's happened. I'm gonna have to talk about that at mm. least. But, I didn't even add it. To, I didn't even add it to the app until Sunday this week, and nobody said a word. <laughs> wow, yes. let's get to progress. That's where we because it's <laughs> it, it does feel like it's dead, mm. and a lot of this stuff is like, I mean, and fightful are reporting. I know since we've been recording that Adam Cole is not. It's scheduled to turn up on Raw that it's looking increasingly unlikely that he signed so that match to me kind of felt like a, a farewell anyway for it and I have to admit I kind of enjoyed the first fall because it was just straight wrestling believe it or not to go back to that theme whereas like the other bits was just the performative bollocks that we come to expect with this stuff really the presentation man it kills me I hate that fucking building Honestly, I long for full sale and I was thoroughly bored of that place by the end. But my God, I can't handle it. I don't know if it's the light show, just the the general, the noise. This sweetening is going on because obviously we heard some of the crowd sweetening on SummerSlam. They cut, some, they cut that crowd audio a couple of times on this. Yeah. And to be honest, David, I think the biggest thing for me is it comes across low rent and it's going to continue to be like even yeah. more low rent as we, as we go forward and it turns into FC. TNA. Which you might enjoy, to be fair. But no, I was just going to say, like, that's the thing. SummerSlam took place in for the 40,000 people and this was like in front of 300 knobheads in the worst building in the world. Like, I mean, it was just, yeah. it was always going to come across that way, wasn't it? But yeah, TNA does, uh, does spring to mind. It looks like impact. Mm. And a lot of this feels like impact. Mm. I think Cameron Grimes, potentially, I, I think he's quite funny. I've always kind of enjoyed Trevor Lee. Mm. Like, and this weird character who's, who's made a load of money doing crypto, it could be good. Mm. LA night shit. Mm. So what difference does it make? And it's a feud that doesn't really mean anything. Mm. And it's just like, look, if you want to do that nonsense, put him on Raw. Because he'd be at least kind of like vaguely entertaining. And that's what you're doing it for. Dakota Kai is obviously leaving. So it kind of felt she had to lose. And then you have Kaylee Ray there. So Scottish women's wrestling was very prominently featured, really, wasn't it, over the weekend? Mm-hmm. Like you can't argue with that, with that sort of weird statistic. But it's just, 
everything else compared to that Walter Ilya match was just like, mm. I, that's how I felt. I was just completely like, just didn't give a shit. And the main event, Karen Cross is fucking rubbish mm. and he ain't getting better anytime soon. His offense is awful. Mm. Like, it's just, if he's studying MMA, it's like, what MMA is he watching? Kevin Nash puts in more fucking effort into his offense. Kevin Nash is more believable. Like when he's laying it in, like it looked shit. I thought, and then you're right about Samoa Joe. So it's just like him slowly on offense for the entire match. Yeah. Oh, I think if LA... I don't see WWE again after this weekend, it won't be fucking too soon. <laughs> I do think LA Knight and and, um, and Kyrie Cross do sum up this this dead in the water generation of NXT. That you know, I, I don't love their thinking of what they're going forward, but I don't know. It's not like I'm going to miss it either. Um, don't know if you had any uh, broad strokes thoughts, Gareth. Yeah, I'm not going to go into any detail, but it's you know, it's the similar to you guys that main event like. Ugh. Cross is shy, and and then like, and Joe, I'm sorry. I mean, he's a he's a legend and things, but not now. Like, and this is the wrong spot for him. He hasn't had a match for eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. Is he hasn't had a match for eighteen months? He looked absolutely fucked. He looked grey in the face. I was thinking I was worried about him. Like <laughs> I was, I was worried about his health at one point. He looked so kind of like grey and grey, grey faced. He was. He got to that stage at the end where he was more bothered about like pulling his pants up than he was certain things, which always takes me out if someone's like, you know, in the midst of a German suplex and they're like pulling their pants up, so it sort of like hides their gut a bit more and things like that. That's a, uh, you know, surely should be a uh, not what you'd be doing in the middle of a fight, is it? Like pulling your pants up like that, but um, you know, so that took me out of it. I think the the semi main with the with Cole and O'Reilly. Like, again, just a little more fucking amateur dramatic bollocks in the middle of it, you know, with the whole Cole has to do is, I've been better than you, and I'm the king of the undisputed era, and all that way, you know. You know, like Shawn Michaels sitting there fucking having a good tug in the back, watching all that kind of thing, like, you know, enjoying all that side of things. Like, Wade Barrett on commentary, I've I've even written this down, he said, we are witnessing pure malevolent theatre. And I was like... Are we? <laughs> is that what we're watching? Uh, uh, is, is is that what NXT is going to be now? Is that the we're going to be watching like PMT or something like that as the uh, pure malevolent theatre comes out? But like, if if that's what it's uh, if if that's what it is and that's what they're trying to present, then yeah, I'm just uh, not interested at, at all. And and you know, again, this was one of those from where a a feud and a level of violence where you've got like a street fight and a steel cage, like not didn't deliver on either of those fronts kind of thing it was just it was just bland boring shit from the second you know through the second and third fall somebody gets hit with something yawn kind of thing we've seen that you know but let's let's have a bit more behind it than than this um and then the only other thing that i definitely wanted to point out was that while i am in the same boat as jp is liking a bit of cameron grimes for a bit of uh, a comedy aside i think he's got good timing yeah. and things like that from that point of view he needs, if he's going to be using the million dollar dream, he needs to learn to fucking put one on because you could have driven a bus under LA Knight's chin when he's uh, putting that on. And it, again, that was just 
So I, I hate that. If you're going, if you're going to use a fucking move like that, at least sorry, I don't want to get old Stone Cold Steve Austin on it and like, uh, and maybe invite JP to do an impression there of you know like, hook, you know, hooking it in deeper or something like that. But fuck it now, like it just it, it looked like he was just wiggling him about. Like I was thinking, come on, at least apply a hold if this is going to be a supposed to be a great chest, long hair, tying it in, brother underneath, now <laughs> <Cow> popping. <laughs> Uh, I, actually, I, I fell asleep watching this takeover and woke up to that. Like that was playing on the network last night, so <laughs> that was my highlight of the night. Fuck it out. Yeah. But I didn't need to see anything else over the nearly Walter match, basically. No. One match show. 100 percent I mean quick, I mean, believe that we're doing a wrestling podcast here, lads, in twenty twenty one. We've gone two hours fifty five minutes and we <laughs> It was SummerSlam this weekend. Like, imagine that in any uh, in any other era. Um, how this is so low down yeah, on the total yeah. ball for us. We're not doing the match by match with this. I mean, I'll point out a couple of the, the important points just to, to keep it brief. Uh, I suppose uh, I think that nothing sums up this twenty million match show more and the current state of WWE more than than that Bianca Bella, Becky Lynch debacle. Um, I got back from from Manchester and. You know, was watching the show, and this was the point where it's like, God, uh, how many matches are left? How many, like I said earlier, how many times could I watch the CM Punk promo instead of watching this shite when this happened? Like this, if this is their answer to that, and I know they brought out Brock later on with the, uh, with the Roman Cena match, but like, you know, how can you? Like, it was just, it was hilarious watching this thing like unfold, like seeing, you know, Bianca come out there while they pretend she's completely unaware that Sasha's not going to be there. Then Sasha doesn't turn up, and they use it to get you know heat, as uh, as Joe would have said, like when and get some get some heat on Carmella. Out comes her. That's terrible. Then they save it by bringing out Becky Lynch as the third person. Kind of nonsensical. Why Becky Lynch can just take out Carmella, who's been formally announced in the match and inserted in the match. But whatever. Okay, let's go for it. And then just when you think you're gonna get a match, instead Becky Lynch, Ultimate Warrior, Honky Tonk Man's Bianca Belair. Uh, in less time than even that, um, and they job out like their most promising babyface, who's an actual star that they've one of the few actual stars they've created this this while or so um, to put Becky Lynch over. It's just you know I'm not mad about it because I'm not invested in WWE, but it it was a great reminder of why I'm not invested in WWE because even when they have a layup like this in a, in a Becky Lynch return, they have to do something dumb as fuck, and that's exactly what this was. The deflation in the crowd. Like, there was a few people who cheered, but they were caught as that match was going to start. Yeah. And then that happens. And I knew it was already going to happen before I already got around to seeing it. It was astonishing the levels of Carney of not announcing Sasha Banks is out in the ring. That's poor. And in the time of, as it, like, if people are missing at this point in time off a show, you can, you can, you, even if you don't want to disclose why, like that's really poor. And they knew for like apparently eight days in the end for it. But anyone who ever says this bullshit about playing it out, like for me, it, they hold no credibility whatsoever because there is no reason to invest in this other than that very small selection of just hardcore WWE fans who love this type of storytelling, who think when Bianca Belair beats. Becky Lynch in two years' time, and it doesn't mean anywhere near as much, and I'll never will have achieved this moment, that somehow that's the redemptive arc of all of this. 
it looks like Kofi Kingston again. And then you look at what happened there. You have to wonder. <laughs> again, fuck off to anyone who thinks it. Just fuck off. They haven't earned the right to have let anything play out. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I'm so burnt off by this product. And this show was an example of it. Um, and it, it's just like, it's ridiculous. They're going to turn Becky Lynch heel, apparently. That's what that's that's what it is. They're bringing back Becky Lynch, who the crowd loved, and had to vacate the title because she was pregnant, and now she's going to return as a heel. And if they're doing this as a response to like CM Punk, as has been kind of speculated that they're having to do shock events, they are fucked. If this is what they're coming up with, this is how really bankrupt they are. But also how they still in in her in their, their bones they have to fuck over the fans they can't just deliver on stuff as well or or just like let them have a really good match or anything else because you like you said about it, it's a million match card i'm talking too long about it already it doesn't deserve the fucking time or energy from anyone here in fact my favorite match of the show is a match i fully expected to hate and that really tells you where i am with it um and they thought they'd do this so that people would be, wouldn't be talking about CM Punk. And it's like, no, it just proves Punk even more right. And Punk for me just becomes Roy Keane in Saipan. He left WWE and it just proves he's just absolutely fundamentally right. Yeah. You enjoying it on the show, Gareth? <laughs> Is there any positives to take? Uh, do you want to know what he said to me? Brought it up right at the beginning of the show where yeah. it was. It was the Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie match. Gareth, like after it finished, Gareth turned to me and he went, I don't want to watch this. It's fucking shit. I fucking hate it. I'm absolutely knackered and we're wasting our time. Can we go? And I think it was like, all right, I'll finish wow. my drink. In which time, like... Yes, yes. We, we were at um, a SummerSlam party at this point. Yeah, the SummerSlam <laughs> party for it. Honestly, some people need to check themselves in terms of their behaviour. I'll just say that. I was like, uh, by that point, I was kind of almost like slightly sobering up. But like, like the, the just the fucking biggest load of bullshit like ever with this stuff. But he said that and I just thought it was symptomatic. It's a match that doesn't need to exist on a card that's already far, far, far too long. Stuff that just feels like it's, you know, booking for perverts. That's what this that, that match felt like. And I had to bring it up because it was just so bad. And Gareth was so, so, so angry, like, it, like about it. And I'm sure, Gareth, you can't remember any of it, but he was completely justified in it as well. No, I was kind of the same. While I was, while I was still pretty pissed at that point, like, I know because Sean messaged me the following saying, I'm just checking you're all right because you were fairly pissed at that summer slam pie. And there obviously is the evidence of me dancing away there as we've referenced previously. <laughs> on, the Chris, on, on Chris Lemay's Instagram story. Playing but, pool with Chris at the time, isn't it? The only match I watched of SummerSlam was Bianca Belair against Becky Lynch, and the only reason I watched it was because it was seven seconds long and it was on Twitter and I was scrolling down and saw it and watched the whole match and I literally have got... I couldn't be any less interested in WWE main roster product if if i tried and there was no way on earth i was going to watch a single 
second of you know sit down to to watch it properly because there was nothing on this card that I wanted to watch. Even though we were you know I knew we'd probably be reviewing it on this, I was like, I've just got better things to do with my life. I don't want to waste like fucking whatever three to five hours. I'm guessing kind of thing watching any of this because it's all just entirely inconsequential. Nothing matters. They just do what they want to do on a whim. Nothing's any good about it so yeah why why bother and the only thing that jumps out to me in my mind is the show starting and then the crowd panning back and i saw how many people were in attendance at that fucking um, place watching it and i was just gobsmacked that that many people would want to pay money to go and watch WWE live in 2021 i was absolutely i was blown away by how many people were there because like seriously like like what how easily pleased are some people if this is something that they want to they they want to go to like fuck it now less and less of them mate yeah, well, but still, forty thousand. Fuck, that's the thing that gives me pause. Yeah, yeah. So about doom and gloom to the end with Gareth on this. Like, don't don't lose sight of the fact that there are these people that are out there, and apparently there's a fucking load of them. I don't know why they exist. Uh, I don't know how you watch this show and come away, you know, wanting to watch more WWE or watch watch more and SmackDown each week. I mean, as far as like the big batches go, like I did end up watching the full thing and. You know, Edge, Edge Seth Rollins was better than, you know, it had any right to be. I'm not going crazy on it. I went three yeah. and a half stars on it, and I'm guessing that's the match you were alluding to before, JP. Bobby Lashley Goldberg was yeah, fucking... Yeah, exactly same rating. Bobby Lashley Goldberg was fucking terrible. Like, they decided to try and have Lashley work over a limb of Goldberg and do it in slow motion and have Goldberg sell. Like, this was, you know, the Triple H match all over again. It was absolute disaster of a match and using, you know, uh, Sunberg and it, it didn't uh, didn't bring me in anymore. It was just bad, bad, a bad idea and bad in execution. And, yeah, Goldberg looked absolutely rotten in there. And uh, Roman Reigns, John Cena was pretty good. It was laid out well. Um, again, three and a half stars, I'd give it. John Cena looked rough, um, but I suppose you'd expect he would do, you know, considering the time he's had off. But, you know, it it, it wasn't special. You know, it was it, it was kind of paid by numbers, big WWE match. And, they, you know, there's a formula they use for those big matches that does work and did work with this crowd. And I suppose the crowd were happy to see Brock afterwards as well. So I suppose those uh, Vincels may well have still gone unhappy despite the... Uh, the ten hours that uh, that that preceded all of this, um, I suppose they probably would have with uh, with seeing Cena get wiped, uh, the floor wiped with him uh, by Brock. But yeah, um, all in all, this was yeah not not worth the the investment of time uh, is probably what I would say. Even if maybe there's a, a couple of okayish matches at the uh, the tail end of that card there. I think the crowd at that point just wanted to cheer kind of stuff. Really, mm-hmm. at that stage, I mean. I- I thought Edge versus Seth Rollins towards the end was, was really good fun. I'm like, you went three and a half. Mm. But it, it's it, it, like, I'm so disillusioned by time when I like watch a big, big, well, it's meant to be a big show of theirs about how they get some fundamental stuff wrong. Like you talk about the booking of Lashley Goldberg, just a fucking disaster. Mm. It, it, like it, the stuff with Lesnar, like <laughs> I, I'm, I, if that's, if they're going back to it, it gets a pop. Trying to act like it's the biggest thing in the world, but it's a match they've already done multiple times, which shows that they're really, they haven't got anyone else to go to as well at this stage. So it feels like that's as big as, as they can do. If you haven't seen any of this, just don't waste your time with it. Yeah. It's, it's, 
bollocks from beginning to end. People will go into in-depth in reviews talking about it match by match. It's just not even, it's just not worth that level of investment. And any highs are just fleeting momentary things of a match that you think are quite good. And yeah, it's honestly, God, given the resources and everything else that's there, there's no excuse for this. And I'm with Drunk Gareth all the way. Drunk <laughs> Gareth's incredibly prescient when it listen comes to, to like this stuff and how he feels. Just listen to Drunk Gareth. That's you know, again, just just to reiterate, I don't want to watch it. It's fucking shit. It's absolute rubbish. I'm wasting. I'm, we're wasting our time, and I'm knackered. And it's just like, yeah, that kind of sums it up for me. It does. I like what Will said there. Hey, hey, Brock knew look. He did look. He looked like a fucking onion, didn't he? Like I don't know what's going. <laughs> but hey, if you're excited, Alex, for him, Alex Hammerstone's there though. Good, good friend. <laughs> good to see him. Yeah, I mean that's a lesson of today's podcast. Like how fucking how on a higher excitement <laughs> at the start of things. WWE is always going to bring you crashing down, and that's the reason we left the fucking to the end. But anything more from you guys? Yep. We're, going, we're going way over. Anything anyone uh, wants to comment on? Anything we can end on a high with? Any 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 no. positive we can say? Just. Support the good guys. Fuck the bad guys. CM Punk. CM Punk. There we go. We're going to see CM Punk. <laughs> yeah. CM Punk is a wrestler again in 2021, everyone. And he works for fucking AEW. Like, fucking pinch yourself every morning while that is true. We're going to see him on fucking Dynamite yeah. on Wednesday. We're going to see him on Rampage again on Friday. He's going to wrestle in Chicago. We're all out. Like, AEW's bringing back the good times. There's your positive, dogs. Exactly. You don't have to watch WWE. Yeah. We, we've kind of entered into a Faustian pact of having to do it by doing podcasts about wrestling. Ah, sure, we do it with absolutely no joy in our heart whatsoever. <laughs> but, but CM Punk, he's giving us that bit of joy. Mm. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. Cool. Any plugs before we go? Oh, uh, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Also want to mention as well, we reviewed uh, Victory Roads with Eddie Sideburns. I did yes. mention it earlier on. That was, um, that was a, that, that was a really, the show to record was fun. The show itself is fucking terrible. Um, so you <laughs> might find podcast. that quite enjoyable. Yeah. It, it, it always is that way as well. And some, some quite inexplicable stuff going on in there. Um, yeah. Go to there. Uh, obviously be doing a, Daily update in a few hours as well before I go off to work. So, Amazing. yeah, patreon.com forward slash grapple. There you go. Somewhere and get yourself onto Google Play. Get, your, get yourself onto Google Play. Get yourself onto the App Store. Download the Apple, uh, the Apple Grapple. The Grapple app. It's early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Download hey, the Grapple app. Yeah, get those, um, get those summer slam ratings in. <laughs> Tell me what I'm missing. <laughs> hey, there were a lot of shows this weekend. You know, get to get your SummerSlam ratings in, your takeover ratings in. I saw you, you got a, you got ROH and a, an Impact up there as well. Didn't get a chance to uh, to see other shows. Maybe I should have used that that SummerSlam time uh, more wisely. But yeah, get on the app, yeah. see some uh, actually well rated stuff there. I've heard very good things about that uh, again. That just Alexander, Alexander match. So yeah, there's uh, some gems there from the weekend uh, on the app. I'm sure. Um, but I know, yeah, that's it. That's it for uh, us for uh, another show. I'm sure we'll be we'll back next week and be catching up with some of that stuff. Like JP said, uh, Summer of Punk's coming on, on the Patreon, but it's late. It's Monday night. And hey, lads, CM Punk is back. So life is good. Yay. Cheers, all. Yes. Bye. CM Punk. See ya. CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs>
Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.